welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 291. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week, for the people, we went back to Thanksgiving time, that is, Mm -hmm. for WWF SmackDown from November 23rd of 2000. And don't worry, folks, it's all the shenanigans you would expect from a Thanksgiving edition of this, SmackDown. This episode made me so thankful for all the ways that wrestling has progressed in 21 years. From November 23rd of 2000. Like, good grief, there's some uh, there's some, some late attitude era fun in this, uh, but it is kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, all the jokes don't land, and yeah, they, I mean, you're, yeah. But I also think that this kind of stuff's a lot of fun. Who no, didn't like the fun. food fights? Yes, absolutely. They're, you're definitely going to get food fight during this episode. But first, they have to introduce all of the dishes slowly op- throughout the entire episode. So we're going to talk more about it, but the reason we're talking about it is because this is a wrestling review podcast. Each week, Tony and I get together and discuss a wrestling event that we agreed to watch the previous week. It's kind of like the Oprah's Book Club, but for wrestling nerds, for any and all information about the show, if you want links to all of our social media places or where you can find more episodes of the show, like the really old ones, if the RSS feed isn't letting you get to it on your podcatcher of choice, check out goldenagepodcast.com, and that's where it is all available. Everything you could ever need can be found there. Please reach out. Please comment. Please mm-hmm. make a request. Um, we've had a pretty decently sized uptick with uh, Facebook interest and likes. Oh, nice. So you're out there and you're discovering us for the first time. Thank you. We appreciate it. So, uh, but yeah, please feel free. We are open to uh, comment and suggestions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, before we can go back to the world as it was in the year 2000, we've got to talk about what it was like 21 years later in a segment that we called the Sid Vicious Dishes. With this look on my face, it was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. And I have half the brain that you do. My disposition is not something I was born with. It's something I was acquired because people like you. <laughs> because you are feared of me. For all the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. No, it's live, Hal. Sorry. Tony, we are live and we are here. What are we here to talk about? Well, DP, it's nice to... uh... Be able to have a positive conversation about the world of professional wrestling this week. And that's just what we're going to do as we discuss the opening segment of AEW Dynamite last week. Yeah. Confrontation between one CM Punk and a Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Um, Yeah, I mean, this was hot from the second it started. As soon as fucking MJF. And I think I saw Trent tweet out that he has like weird 60s spy movie theme music is what he described MJF's theme <laughs> as. But like, you know, as soon as Punk's interest was interrupted by the theme of MJF, yeah, he walked his ass out there. 
Uh, say, it doesn't feel good getting interrupted. Because it's it? supposed to be Punky just Bruce CM Punk Bruce. taking on QT Marshall to open the show. Is the that's the setup right. for this, right? Sure. Well, yeah, that's why Punk was coming out when he was. Because yes. so. Punk is also in his like tights at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he calls him Punky Brewster. Says it doesn't feel good being interrupted, does it? And then MJF just talks for a while. Says he hurt his feelings, not <laughs> shaking his hand. Fucking long time. Yes. Oh yeah. He gets it all out here. Like, Punk just stands there and no-sells it for a while here. Um, his feelings not shaking his hand, and it felt like when he quit, like a little bitch. You know, he's being very uh, mean-spirited here. Never thought a straight-edge person could look so much like a meth addict. Which, I was just like, my God. <laughs> like, is he trying to see if he can push Punk to actually punching him? Um, he's going to finish him quicker than his UFC career. This is all before Punk has said or done anything. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he does. I, I appreciated this. Like the sports, the morning sports talk shows all have this rule where like you're only supposed to talk during your time and they get mad about the person talking during their time. And like, because mm. I like it this way. Let him get it all out. We're not interrupting each other. We're not yelling over one another. And then Punk pretty calmly you might say walks to get a microphone and tells max he says he's i'm disappointed in you max you know and and thanks mjf for introducing himself he appreciated that um says he thought mjf stood for my jealous fan um he says he shut him up last week without even saying a word and you had seven days to come up with a zinger and you went after the lowest hanging fruit and then called him a less Famous Miz. Yeah. And the crowd Which was fucking nuts. Was a line on par with the Danielson WrestleMania line the week before. <laughs> like people lost their minds. And it's so funny because he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to a large degree. Uh, MJF came back and says he's no more than a nostalgia act. Says he has struggled to beat easy opponents or say anything interesting, calls him an ass kisser and mocks his nice guy's persona so far, calling him PG Punk. Yeah. And finishes by, you might as well be promoting hustle, loyalty, and respect. <laughs> Which was just outstanding. <laughs> yeah. um, MJF wonders if Punk can be the number one guy. And says that Punk hates him because he was born for this. And even after all of his hard work, he's been nothing more than second best. And pretty much that's the end of MJF's discussion uh, in this conversation. Uh, Punk tells him that there was some truth to what MJF said. He was scared people would not remember him. And then tells MJF that he was selling out Madison Square Garden when he was marking out to Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, mentions it, mentions him doing it with uh, backups. You know, he had the, uh, you know, that you were on the New York Times for your song and dance. Mm -hmm. and the next time you're going to be in the obituaries. That was good stuff. Nice. Uh, you know, says Britt Baker has replaced him as one of the four pillars. And the only way MJF will be number one is if we sit around long enough for Tony Khan to have a daughter you can marry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that 
pretty much left things uh, pretty well here. Uh, MJF would, of course, take off his jacket but roll out of the ring before any physical confrontation could happen, leaving the fans of Chicago disappointed that Punk didn't kick his ass. Then QT Marshall came in and wrestled. So Nobody cares about that part. And <laughs> Punk struggled with him. Like, yeah. why wouldn't CM Punk just squash QT Marshall? Anyways, that's, that's not the conversation we're having. Because um, he was emotionally wrecked from this confrontation, Oh, Tony. you're right. Okay. All right. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> what do you think about this, though? What do you think about the effectiveness of all this? I saw some criticism online about it being too long. Um, I mean, I would strongly disagree with that, but they like they led him like there's like it felt like 10 solid minutes of MJF the first like first chunk that he went on. It was just it kept going and going and going and it was just like, what are we doing? But yeah, it wasn't bad. Like it wasn't like he was repeating himself. It wasn't a guy meandering. He just had a lot to say and. Had his pace that he was saying it at. Yeah, and he probably could have said a lot it, more. I thought it was really good. I mean, it, it yeah. kept my entertainment. Like, I was wrapped the entire time waiting for something to happen, waiting for Punk to respond. And then once he responded the way that it was going, like, it was very exciting. Yeah. Like, this is a program again that all it took is, you know, a, a promo segment and CM Punk has a really hot program again. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, I don't expect this one to end. As quickly as the Kingston one, though, we'll no, we'll kind of see how this one plays out. I don't, you know, I'm expecting that we don't just have like a match on a dynamite and that's it. You know, I think we're kind of building towards something a little bigger than that. But I guess we'll, we'll have to probably have to fight Wardlow or some Pinnacle members or something first, and <laughs> whoever's in the Pinnacle at this point, the Chairman Tony, the Chairman, oh, God, Sean Stoops. Spears. No, no, he's, he is actually good in his role. So, yeah, but no, I loved it. thought it was great. It was probably the best we've seen out of Punk uh, since he's been back. Mm-hmm. Because, listen, there is a little bit. That's why it was so, such a funny line. Like, the PG Punk thing is pretty great. Because, I mean, the, him walking out and being like, because that MJF did the whole thing, too. The insert city name here. Yeah. Insert. I'm happy to see you. Because Punk has kind of been doing that. And I get it. It's a... It's a return tour. You mm-hmm. know, every city that they're in is the first time that they've gotten to see him since he's been back. So exactly. I get it. But it's why that one landed so well, though, because that it's kind of true. <laughs> true. No, but overall, yeah, it was a really good segment. Like I thought I, I'm I didn't see any news afterwards about like ratings or anything like that. But it it, it, it had uh, me excited about it. Yeah, you're right. You know what? I'm surprised we didn't get the whole, like, oh, it did this compared to the Rock This Is Your Life segment at 9.35 p.m. <laughs> you know, no, I, I didn't see any of that either. Maybe I'm, I, I, I think I'm happy about that. So, but yeah, that's, no. yeah, just want to talk a little bit about that. A little bit of positive news this week. For sure. With an amazing segment between two very talented individuals. So that brings us to the time travel portion of our show. It's time now. We're in the year of 2021. Some of our listeners may be in our future as well. I mean, all of them are in somewhat of our future, but some of them may be in like 2022. Uh, But we've got to get our minds in sync and go back to the year 2000. So let's meditate on these four things. Four. Four things time capsule. The four things are 
Tony, I think that you're going to be so excited about all of these things here. Number one, November 2nd, the first crew arrived at the International Space Station. Made of astronaut Bill Shepard and cosmonauts Yuri Gidzenko and Sergei Krikalev. I definitely said Uh, those names correct. Krikalev is my favorite cosmonaut of all time, by the way. So, uh, (laughs) no, that's cool. Cosmonaut number one. Krikalev. I don't necessarily, yeah, I don't have much memory of this happening, but, you know, I was in junior high and was probably Mm -hmm. looking at something else. Number two, on November 7th, the controversial United States presidential election between George W. Bush and Al Gore was inconclusive. The result in Bush's favor was eventually resolved by the Supreme Court. Yeah, and you know what the guy that lost didn't do? He didn't go on to talk about how he didn't lose for the next fucking (laughs) years of his life. Yeah. He went on and he he helped the climate. That's what he did. Oh. But man, if he had been president, think of all the things he could have done helping the climate even more instead yeah. of George Oilman Bush. Number three, <laughs> we look at the films releasing in American movie theaters. In the lead up to tonight's event, we start on November 3rd, where we see Charlie's Angels released, making $259 million. With the, directed by the man with the most obnoxious name in the history of the world, Mick G. Was it directed by him? I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure, or maybe maybe it's the second. I don't know. At some point, he was directing those movies, and they were awful. Um, I mean, I don't know this this first one. Like, this movie was everything that I wanted as a, as a <laughs> as a kid at the age of thirteen, fourteen. Well, yeah, when this came out, right? And then DOA came out, and you're like, oh, I can just watch this instead. Um, yeah, but no, this Char- Charlie's Angels got a few rentals and then a purchase very quickly for me. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. No, and I will say the first one is much better than the second one. Oh yeah, I've never seen this. I've I've seen the second one <sighs> once. I feel like, yeah, maybe all the way. Through. Oh no, um, right. that so that made two hundred fifty nine million dollars. Also releasing the Legend of Not Bagger bad. Vance, making thirty nine million. Oh, Will Smith, the the ebbs and flows and the bad decisions in his career. I'm yeah. not going to do the Matrix. I'm going to go make this movie called Wild Wild West. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> oh. November 10th saw the release of Men of Honor, making $82 million, a movie I don't really remember. Probably the last good Cuba Gooding Jr. movie. Oh, okay. Like him and De Niro, they were in swimsuits. <laughs> I shouldn't say swimsuits. They, they were like, <laughs> they were deep sea divers and they had to wear those terrifying, like old school, like, okay. you know, metal fucking yeah. scuba gear. <laughs> yeah, deep uh, diving shit. Um, so yeah, that came out. Also, Red Planet it made thirty three million, and then Little oh. Nicky made fifty eight million dollars. That's how I talked about Popeye's about Chicken. Nicky. Yes, I, I'd never, I'd never heard or seen a Popeye's Chicken before oh, that movie. Neither had I. Popeye's Chicken is fucking awesome. <laughs> that was the first thing I ever knew about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, listen. I mean, people have their feelings about Adam Sandler, but I will say, like, I've always had a soft spot for Little Nicky. Oh, like that for one. sure. That's the one that likes. At least the last time I saw it, it had held up. I I could see it again. Maybe it's terrible, but don't go making any declarations here. November seventeenth saw the release of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, The Sixth Day, making ninety six million dollars. Man, when that guy was just, you know, pay me ten million dollars and clothes, just he was just making movies that nobody cared about, and then he became governor. (laughs) Bounce. I don't remember. Bounce made fifty three million. Ooh, is that a Sandra Bullock romantic comedy? 
Good question. Didn't look it up. I, I apologize. No, um, you don't have to. Rugrats in Paris made 103 million, and it it made 103 was, million. That's not bad. How no. the Grinch Stole Christmas released the same day made 345 million dollars. Uh, so those that, two yeah. movies released at the same time, and both didn't do poorly. <laughs> no. I would say. I mean, listen, we don't have to start a fight here, but I mean that. I don't. I mean, that, that might be the best Christmas movie. I mean, that's just a. It's a great movie in general. I disagree on best Christmas movie. It's a good movie, but it's it is. It is oh, I mean, like it's at least fifth. It's a, tops for me. Oh, it, it's films. in consideration. It's up there, but it's it's yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, number four, <laughs> taking a look at the world of popular music and the Billboard Hot 100, we see a familiar name atop the charts. But before we get to that, we see NSYNC's This I Promise You at number six, Backstreet Boys at number 10, Madonna had music at number eight. You know, oh. it makes the people come together. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Number three and number two were products of their time. Number three was doors, Three Doors Down, Kryptonite, which... Oh, yeah. I know it can be a much-loved song. It's also a very much-hated song. Uh, also, everyone's favorite, Creed, with, with arms wide open at number oh, two. Um, so those were love interesting. Me some Creed. But none of those songs will be heard here. If you want to, around this time, I imagine some of those names took you back. But if not, the surely this song will. It was number one because of the its connection to Destiny's Child. But Charlie's Angels. Independence Woman, Independent Woman, Part One by Destiny's Child. If it'll play, maybe. Might get it. God. Wait, oh, go away. Stop, stop singing. Okay. <laughs> that was just such like a small time in the world. Like literally like, I don't know, 98, 99, 2000, maybe mm-hmm. 2000, like where you would have these songs that would be popular radio songs, but they like incorporated like the names <laughs> of the movie soundtrack they appeared on or like this yeah. song as the long-winded intro where she's like literally naming like Drew Barrymore can't yes. handle this Cameron Diaz can you handle this yes you know, it's like, that is oh my god it's just oh. amazing no it's pretty interesting and it but I mean the song was big I remember for some reason oh, god, I associate yeah. that song with McDonald's I don't know if it was in one of their commercials or not <laughs> but that's probably some evil um, product placement stuff um, that worked there but that brings us to the night of November 23rd of 2000, when hopefully people weren't eating McDonald's. Hopefully you were with family eating Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, but the WWF aired the recorded event from November 21st of 2000 from the National Car Rental Center in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I hate the corporization of arena names. <laughs> just makes them all Fort, so lame. Fort Lauderdale just feels like a place that would have very corporatized names for everything. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. The show had been doing high fours and low fives in the ratings, but it's the holidays, so it dropped down to a 3.3. But the next week, it was back up to fours and fives. So. No, I mean, this is, it, 
it almost doesn't like there's a I, I would love to try to figure out the exact date when the divide with WCW and WWE in the Attitude Era mm. kind of happened because WWE is so hot at this point. It's hard to even imagine WCW still exists with yes. like in this era at yep. this point because there's such an afterthought by this point. Like, and my God, we've been there and watched a lot of it, you know, because <laughs> um, it just Man, wasn't November even close of 2000. You've still got months of pay-per-views left to go for WCW. I mean, they've got, you know, Jeff Jarrett main eventing their paper, you know, as their mm-hmm. world champion. And God love Jeff. He's a hell, <laughs> hell of a nice guy. But, you know, Booker T, Scott Steiner. Those are all fine and well, but it's like WWE at this point is they don't even know what to do with people. They have Mick the Foley is already legal. in the commissioner's role. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my god. It's so wild. Time. Oh. Yeah. But anyways. So yeah, this show opens with the song that I now consider the Botchamania theme song. I apologize oh, to the, the SmackDown producers that, that associate this song <laughs> to this show, but it has been stolen and co-opted and it is now that thing. <laughs> it is definitely like Botchamania, but I also, it's always the video games for me. These, oh yeah. Just hearing that over and like over and over. That you that you have to hit start or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just constantly over and over and over again. Oh. And I think one of them was even advertised on this show. Like I think one of the good ones was coming out around this time or something. But it is one of those things where it's like every time that we watch one of these shows that is from this specific time period, like I'll hear the Botchamania lines playing in my head to the theme song. And it's like there's no lines <laughs> happening on this show. It's just the music. But yep. oh, I, I, you want to play 21? Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so tons of fireworks are going off. Like a lot of fireworks. I was curious, like, before so th- did we know about like epileptic seizure stuff at that point and like warning oh. people because this felt very much like you shouldn't watch this if you are sensitive to photosensitive light. The flashing in this era is so <laughs> I've been having nitro on like in the background when I was playing video games yes. and like literally it like catches my peripheral like the amount of flashing <laughs> lights that are coming from like their entrance way for every yes. match. It's like good lord, yeah, we definitely were not oh. as sensitive as we needed to be about that kind of stuff at this time. But goodness, yeah, it's flashing like crazy. There, it is a sea of signs Dude. in the crowd. Luckily, they all put them down for once. Like the matches start, that's gotten better. Yeah. But man, like when they first start taking these like panning shots, all you see are signs. It's another just one of those like nostalgic, like great things for me. Like pyro and signs, like just mm-hmm. such a you know exactly when this show is taking place, like without yes. even being told the date. Yeah. Yeah, pyro signs, and then there's like the uh, the the just sense of like just a foggy like arena the entire night because all they keep doing pyro for all the entrances, and it just keeps making more. I don't, I don't think we've ever ended up watching them, but I've come across a few. There are some thunders on the network <laughs> where they're in small buildings and they do the full pyro, and you literally sit in a haze for the entire show. Oh, like gosh. it is amazing. Anyways, so, um, yeah, Michael Cole welcomes us to Fort Lauderdale. And he is joined by Jerry the King Lawler, and mm-hmm. they are pumping up our main event of the evening. Now, why did quite a quartet? Or I'm sorry, yeah, quartet here. How long have these two been been a team here? Do you know? Because like he makes makes mention of his his old partner Jr., but I feel like yeah. he always did that whenever he would say something that Jr. would normally say. This is when he's still doing Raw with Jr. and SmackDown with Cole. Like, oh, okay. When I think back, like they tried other color commentators 
other than the King when they first launched SmackDown. And they haven't convinced and Taz then, to give up on the in-ring stuff yet. He's starting to do heat at this point with Cole. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think if someone there's like, you know what, just let the King do both shows. And it stays this way for a while. I can't remember necessarily okay. who even replaces him. Probably Taz, actually, in the next year or so. Um, yeah, that's one of the, it's one of those crazy things that um, it's kind of like Kurt Angle spent more years in TNA than he did WWE. Mm-hmm. Cole and the King combined years probably far exceeds King and JR. Yeah, which is sad because it was one of those things like you had the ability to give us King and JR. Well, yeah, you just withheld <laughs> it from us for no fucking reason. True. Made JR Absolutely. work with goddamn coach for years on end. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. But yeah, our main event tonight, we'll see Chris Benoit team with Kane to take on Chris Jericho and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't make sense, don't worry. It kind of does later. I, there's, I there's, still there's, don't know who reasons. the baby faces and heels are in that match, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, Commissioner Foley is the one that has created all of these matches for us. As uh, we then go to match number one for the Intercontinental Championship, it's your champion, Eddie Guerrero. Versus the one Billy Gunn. Oh man, I was so happy to see the one Billy Gunn. <laughs> this is a man that's been blessed with good entrance themes in this company. Oh, it just felt very I'm, timely not- because like AEW is just heating up the Gun Club, and we suddenly have the one Billy Gunn winning his Intercontinental Title. Oh, spoiler alert! But no, yeah, seriously. Um, this may have been when before Eddie went away for a while. Okay. Maybe that was actually later in 2001. I can't remember. When. I saw him at Independent Show in 2001, I think it was. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, Commissioner Foley, we hear, has barred the Radicals from ringside, which means we don't get to see Saturn or Malenko, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, and Eddie has a microphone. Oh, yeah, Eddie even starts talking before fucking <laughs> Billy gets a chance to come out. Calls Billy Billy Goldilocks. Yeah, S.A. Goldilocks. Right, sorry. That should be more specific. Yeah. Uh, Billy's the one that stooged him off to China. Actually, it was GTV, Eddie, but that was the one where he got caught in the shower with Victoria and somebody else. I can't remember. Mm. Um, And that was the end of his relationship with Mama Sita. So Billy Gunn is just in China. China. Okay. Because, like, what does he call her here? Cheapa Sita or something? Well, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know. You should repeat that. I don't know what I'm, what you're saying right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, but that's what he's talking about. He's recently lost, you know, you know, lost China. I guess. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Because then we see some lady and her daughter giving him the thumbs down as he's talking about how he's got Latino heat and he is Latino heat. Um, I don't, what did you? Well, think he has this. this he has this great like run-on sentence where he's just like. He thinks he's gonna take my title because I'm Latino Heat, and only he has the heat that each and every one of those Mama Citas want tonight. Like it's just yeah, going and going. Uh, but yeah, then he tells Billy Gunn to get your butt out down here and let me knock the bleach out of it now. And I was like, <laughs> all right, Eddie, you got that promo figured out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but then we get the wonderful trumpets of the one Billy Gunn's theme song. I didn't um, even understand this music. I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> it's great. Um, Eddie would slide out and meet Billy as they fight outside of the ring. Uh, Gun drops Guerrero across the guardrail, and then Eddie is slid into the ring and our bell rings. So the match mm-hmm. can start. Yeah. 
Yeah, they get they get inside there. We get a big back body drop from Gunn, then a double cross body spot where the both men clash stomachs. And they're down. Yep. Eddie grabs his title belt, but Gunn kicks him. And then Eddie falls into the ref as he's falling and then drops Gunn with a DDT onto the belt when the ref wasn't looking. Tim White then turns around as Eddie's covering him. White picks the belt up. I got to get this out of the ring and walks over and gets rid of it. So that takes some time. Gunn's able to kick out at two. Then yeah. Cole says the ref should have denied the count anyways as Eddie then hits the frogs. Excuse me, the frog splash. But Gunn kicked out at two. Yeah. That surprised me. I did not expect that. Same uh, here, Gunn, would f- Gunn would follow up with a power slam for a two. The men then exchange punches until Billy catches Eddie with a clothesline and then a tilt-a-whirl slam for a two count. When did he start bleeding? Uh, like the, the announcers are like, oh, Ed, he's bleeding from his forehead. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, I guess he's trickling bleeding from his forehead. And then they're, like, they're trading punches. And... <laughs> I was just like, I don't know where this actual like cut was supposed to come from in the story. Yeah, it might have been an accident if it wasn't. Uh, oh, okay, if it wasn't just from like a shoot punch or something. Uh, but yeah, Eddie is whipped into the corner. Gun hits the splash, followed by the jackhammer, and then a famouser. But that also only gets a near fall, dude. When that didn't get the finish, I thought that was crazy because it was just like you right. you gave him Goldberg's jackhammer. <laughs> then he hit the famouser, and he still kicked out. Like, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. But hey, good for Eddie. But apparently, yeah, but... Billy's got a, a super finisher that I didn't know about as the one. Oh, yeah. You didn't know about the one. Is that yeah. the name of the move? I think it's called... No, it's called the one. <laughs> it's called the one and only, oh, if, God, if I remember okay. correctly. It's like a Cobra Clutch slam. Yeah, because Billy would catch Eddie in that and hit it for the one, two, three. Oh my God! We got a title change here. It's the one Billy Gunn. We are on the precipice. We are nearing the Shogun era at this point here, folks. <laughs> that's how. That's the territory we're in. Oh. Um, yeah, I really liked this match. I thought this was, yeah, was, you know, I think this was. I thought this was pay per view quality. It was a good opener for 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 sure, especially on a, a television show. Right. Um, yeah, the last great thing we'll see probably. But yeah, I did not expect Eddie Guerrero to drop the title suddenly to Billy Gunn on this show at all, and so to see that, I was like, oh man, we found a little special episode. Um, yeah. How about that? We got a Billy Gunn moment. Then we go backstage where Mick Foley is dressed as a pilgrim, and he's got Lieutenant Commissioner Deborah with him, who is. In an outfit that, you know, back then was probably considered totally fine. It seems inappropriate today. I mean, she's got the feather and all that such hey, thing. But I'll say this. Indian Unless outfit. she wants to dress that way, <laughs> there's we have no reason to believe that Deborah doesn't enjoy dressing that way. I'm not even talking about from the sexual aspect, but just the, <laughs> the you know, the cultural appropriation level of things. Um, oh, that. Yeah. yeah. I guess I, I didn't notice. I was thinking Pilgrim. Did she, was she doing like the Native American She was thing? in the Native American outfit. Uh, yeah. I didn't Lots even notice. Lots of cleavage. Uh, Foley gets his I, I, I think you know pop. why. I, 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 my eyes were oh, diverged elsewhere. Yeah. Of course, Foley makes sure to tell us how great it is to be right here at Fort Lauderdale. Crowd cheers this. Uh, Deborah says the Thanksgiving potluck is coming together nicely as Jim Ross walks in with chicken. Thanks, Jim. Are they, weren't they also uncooked? Did he say they no. were uncooked? I thought they said, said they were cooked. Oh, okay. No, they were at least cooked. He said yeah, they just need a little bit of JR's barbecue sauce, and then it'll right. be all ready to go. Which, how does he not have a bottle of it right there? Like I don't know. Use. 
Uh, yeah, Jim Ross is also the guy that brought chicken to Thanksgiving, which we don't but need to go there, I guess. They go way out of their way to then have Deborah lean way into it and look, have the yes. camera look down her chest, and as she yep. says, it's the most succulent breast and thighs she's ever seen. And the guys do a knowing glance and look at each other and agree. And this is a, a running theme tonight's show that every time that either man, Mick Foley or Jim Ross, makes a sexual innuendo, the other man then has to look at them and be like, good job, that was great. <laughs> hey, Jim Ross is like low-key really great in almost all these segments <laughs> because he's like comedic. Like, I was yeah, shocked no, at, like, at how right. like, loose he kind of was. Yeah, no, you're right. It was just, like, uh, totally ridiculous, though. It was one of oh, those yeah. segments that I was like, oh, man, are we going to get a whole bunch of this tonight? Yeah, we are. A whole <laughs> oh, bunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and listen, buddy, you wanted to watch the Thanksgiving special. Uh, we see replays of Billy's win. Eddie is very upset backstage, and he's kicking trash cans, and that's that. I was like, oh, is this leading to... No, just Eddie's mad. <laughs> see you yep. next week. Yep. Now it is time for the Goodwill Ambassador and current European champion William Regal to grace us with his presence. Oh, he's great. I love William Regal so much. He's, oh, he's so great. These, these moments are almost sad to go back and watch, you know, when, with his story and everything. We mm-hmm. just think about like all the what could have been if he just, ah, you know, if he hadn't had the issues that he did. But the announcers um, wonder if he even knows today is a holiday. And well, Regal begins by giving well wishes to his friends in Fort Lauderdale, and they boo him for this. I was like, he gave you well wishes, and you're booing him. Well, listen, everybody's on to his shtick at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it talks about Thanksgiving, which at that point, I'm sure everybody in the building was ready to be very upset. Yes. Um, says it represents everything that is wrong with our country. <laughs> And this uh-huh. is when the fans begin interrupting him with USA, USA, USA chants, which is always great when they then take a shot of the one man that committed to standing up while he was doing it in a giant sea of people just going USA, USA, USA. Says, he says it was started by pilgrims who were kicked out of Great Britain who then came over here and broke bread with Native Americans. Yeah, but he says, but that's a load of bloody rubbish. Yeah. And the fans yeah, call him an asshole. Means, yeah, it actually means a bunch of overweight, dysfunctional people now sit around and watch balloons on the TV. He doesn't know what a rug rat is. <laughs> back me up. Oh. And then the meal. Oh, oh. he has... Any issues with the meal? <laughs> he, he says it's a shocking number of problems with the meal that you could talk about. Uh, hey, man, listen, you can go after the history, but don't you mess with my meal, all right? <laughs> oh, he says I won't. I will tell you how to correct it first. After finishing your meal, I was like, wait, so you don't have a problem with the actual meal? Uh, do not unbutton your trousers after finishing your meal at the table. And I was like, well, I mean, do people actually do that? Like. <laughs> I would be horrified, but I'm sure it happens. I, it just felt like they were, like everything he says here is something that most people already aren't doing, and it's mainly the crowd's just like, don't tell me not to, the reason yeah. that they're booing. I, I was a little shocked and disappointed. Like, you want to talk heat? I was, he didn't do any dishes. Like, just talk about anything, and that crowd is going to hate you. Be like, yeah. macaroni and cheese, and everything. Like, oh, <laughs> fuck you, man. Don't you say anything. So, you need a beef Wellington. No, no. Right. We don't go there. 
um, because the he, great oh, he tells you to cover your mouth when you're belching, right. and I was like, still, who's booing this? Um, but yes, here comes The Rock, who's going to also counter that and talk about how belching's cool. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, The Rock really has the high ground here. All right, I mean, <laughs> he's got the easy stuff to just counter everything William just said, basically. Um, you can see his family in the front row. They get a quick shot. I saw them. Um, he does his finally. He's come back home. How many times has The Rock done that one? We, I mean, it feels like we've stumbled onto at least seven or, of, I or think so. No matter where they are in Florida, it's home, which is kind of in Florida, or if it's been a long time back in any WWE exactly. reference, yeah, or anywhere. Maybe Madison Square Garden, or right. Uh, Rock isn't out here to disagree with William Regal. No, no. He's, he, you know, he's not here at all. He says it's a damn fine holiday. And after you eat, there's nothing wrong with unbuttoning your pants. You know, becoming clear that The Rock does take exception with yeah. everything he said. Yeah. That Rock, he's so sarcastic and clever. Um, uh. Calls him a suit-wearing cockamamie asshole, I'm guessing, but it gets censored. Dude, there are so many words on here that get censored, like scumbags is said at one point, yeah. and that gets bleeped. I'm like, what? what? Is this a peacock situation? Is scumbag, are they afraid it has like some other meaning that we're all not aware of? Oh, but Regal says, you listen to me, sunshine. I don't I like you besmirching my words. And uh, the Rock says, besmirched? <laughs> he's like, I don't, I don't understand besmirched. And just as he's about to explain it, he says, it doesn't matter. And uh, uh, The Rock says, the holiday isn't about eating and drinking. It's about giving thanks. He even tries his hand at Regal's accent. And you see, Thanksgiving... It's not about eating and drinking. No, no, no. It's about giving thanks. And all The Rock's fans would give much thanks if The Rock were just to walk down this ramp. Uh Uh-oh. Get inside the ring, look you right in the eyes, and then proceeded to wallop your candy bum all over Fort Lauderdale. I was just so glad that Regal was able to, like, counter after it the rock wasn't was bad. Talking. no regal didn't feel like he was being like completely bold this was not a kevin nash cm punk situation no and that's why again <laughs> regal could have absolutely been on this level um yeah regal asks are you challenging me to a match tonight uh rock says you bet your british ass i'm challenging you to a match tonight mm-hmm. did you see and, the uh, sign that was right at the like because at one point the rock starts like pausing in between phrases and walking to one end of the stage. Yeah. Now, when he gets over there, did you see the sign that just read, the stone cold eats turkey with a forklift? It was like, that's That's such a weird sign, but okay. Oh, man, make that Uh, (laughs) t-shirt. After the match, they're going to have a meal. After the match, you know, he's going to wash a drumstick and do all those Oh, well, he's going to eat the breast and the thighs and and all the other things, but he's going to leave this drumstick to wash it off, then put Worcestershire sauce on it, put it sideways, and stick it up Regal's candy ass. Is that a British thing? I didn't ever know that Worcestershire sauce was... I have no idea. Uh, So yeah, anyways, though, we got that match to look forward to. Fun segment there. It was one of those things also where it's like, The Rock never officially says yes to the match. He just insults him, and then Cole's like, these two will fight tonight. It's official. Will they? Okay. I guess, I guess, I guess if you know, then we'll, we'll, we'll get to see it. You know, you know, but Uh, backstage. Yeah. Back to our Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) Uh, 
Deborah mentioning that this feels like a family atmosphere. And Mick mentions he doesn't like family gatherings because there's always that one guy there. And oh, hi, Al Snow. <laughs> <laughs> I do always love their because, long running. Because rivalry. I've read the books. I feel like if I yes. hadn't read Foley's books, I wouldn't appreciate yeah. these at all. But like having read the books and seen so many jokes at Al Snow's expense, oh, anytime yeah. now that I get to see him then have disdain for Al Snow, it's fantastic. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Because, yeah, Nick Al Snow. Laugh like it. Yeah, go ahead. Al Snow acts like he's like, thank you guys for inviting me. And Foley's like, I did not invite you. I <laughs> want you to understand that I did not invite you to this. Yeah. Uh, Al Snow brought peas. Snow peas. Snow peas, which, of course, makes Mick giggle. Um, everything tonight is brought to you from the wonderful cookbook that I need to find. I need to get my hands on the WWE I want cookbook. a WWE orange salad from whatever the fuck Scotty too hottie brings in later yeah. on. But oh. you look that one up online right now. Yeah. Foley uh, says he likes a white Christmas, but I really hate snow on Thanksgiving and good one. Yeah. She's, she's like, I got, got to give it to you. He's like, you, you will give it to me. Um, and then, yeah, we go commercial break. And then we come right back with Deborah and Mick Foley again. <laughs> yeah, Deborah tells Mick that she thinks he looks cute in his outfit. And then the cat. Which <laughs> in my up. notes are some blonde lady comes in. It's not <laughs> one that I recognize, but and then like it, it, by the end of this I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's the cat. Gotcha." Right. Not just a cat. It's the cat. She walks up with homemade beef jerky. Spicy homemade beef jerky. <laughs> like I don't want. I'm not want to shame a Thanksgiving dish. Now, I if don't you know about bring beef jerky, like I can't even say deer jerky because then when did you catch this deer? Because deer season usually doesn't start till Thanksgiving. But like right. my grandpa, I feel like sometimes would bring deer jerky to our Thanksgiving and like we'd get a big <laughs> bag of it and it would always be delicious. Right. But, like, that oh, would yeah, be something I could get into. But, yeah, it is just strange to be like, all right, I brought beef jerky to this get-together. Like, I'm guessing they just didn't want to take the time to actually prepare any real dishes. Because I'm like, you're promoting your cookbook. And we get, like, beef jerky, a salad, peas. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you're not exactly <laughs> selling, like, your hottest like products oh, in that thing. No, you're right. Uh, but Foley calls her an attractive dish. Uh-huh. <laughs> Match number two, Hardcore Rules. Well, of course, because it's Hardcore Holly and Crash Holly taking on TNA, Test and Albert. Who are also now claiming to be the new APA. Yeah, it's this whole like weird thing where like they don't have Trish with them, but like it's kind of explained. But then they're also like <laughs> wearing these terrible, and I'd love to find one, TNAPA <laughs> t-shirts because at some point they beat the acolytes and took over their protection agency. Oh, yeah. So the new P- the new APA, I guess, Test and Albert. Oh, God. Yeah. This but one also starts outside the ring immediately. This, though, hardcore. was the yeah. match where I was like, this has to be like this because it's pre-recorded. This has to be fake reactions because the fucking Hollies get the biggest crowd reaction <laughs> I've ever heard in my life for either man. I will say, I mean, there was a brief moment in history where, like, mostly because of Crash, like, the Hollies were, I wouldn't say beloved, but they were liked. <laughs> but no, you're right. There's still a lot of tweeting on this. Yeah, like, not that the, Is this just because they put fake music in to cover up somebody, or is this because <sighs> this is just right. a show? 
but God, yeah. So, uh, hardcore sends Tester to the steps because we got to start outside the ring all the time. Um, then he hits a drop kick inside the ring on Albert and gets a two count. <laughs> well, Crash and Albert, yes. As soon as like Crash and Albert like kind of start to settle into something, I was like, okay, it'll be these two. And then like Tess just walks in. I'm like, oh yeah, it's hardcore, <laughs> duh. <laughs> no, but it does kind of ruin the flow of the match because you, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I, I, I thought I'd figured out like who the dance partners were, and I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> Tess and Albert double team stomp Crash. Hardcore has a belt. Just okay. That's a unique weapon, I guess. Like, um, and a just real, whips the shit out of him. It's it's not like it's been finished because it's like real floppy leather, but it's like right. real fucking thick. It's weird as shit. I was like, where did he get this? <laughs> did he bring that? I don't remember seeing that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Albert and Hardcore Holly are fighting outside of the ring. Uh, test beats Crash down in the corner. Uh, Hardcore gets a kendo stick and literally breaks it the first time he uses it over the back of Tess. Just snaps yep. it in half. Yeah. So it's like, well, into that. But then, like, there's there's a tussle that continues on, but then the next thing that got my attention in my notes is Crash has a trash can lid and attacks Tess in the face, and he just cracks him with it. He then ducks a big boot and hits the big tornado DDT, and then I just have he's flipping in and grabbing Tess with the leg scissors. Like, from a hurt, like he he head yeah, stands cool. on the ropes, yeah. flips into a head scissors, and then finishes a hurricane rana. It's fucking amazing, like really impressive yeah. stuff. Uh, it was. I was like, how come I don't see that all the time? Uh, yeah, crash with a missile drop kick. He sends a trash can lid into the face of Tess, but that only gets a two count. Hardcore's got an attitude era staple. It's the fire extinguisher. Are- are the fire extinguishers in wrestling gimmicked, or are those just fire extinguishers that they just buy and they use? 95% of the time, they're gimmicked. Okay. And it's intentional. I can't remember that one. There's the one like famous one that was obviously not the right one. <laughs> was that, that the one that we like, watched with like the New Age Outlaws, where it's like yeah, the road dog or somebody keeps fucking yeah. using it? Uh, yeah, I think that was it. Okay, because I was just like, when I saw this one, I was like, because he just like blasts the first row of the crowd with this. And I was just like... I can't imagine like being happy that I'm breathing in whatever the <laughs> no. fuck is in that fucking fire yeah. extinguisher. No, I think at this point when they were using them as regularly as they were, I think they just like, probably had a bunch of gimmicked ones. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, fire extinguisher on hardcore, and then TNA double team crash and pin him and win. Yeah. Was so wrong. your winner is Tustin Albert. No Hard one likes testing them out of Albert, ring. but yeah, they they won. The only reason they ever ever got any cheers was because they had Trish with them. And then when you take Trish out of the mix, it's like, why <laughs> right. does this team exist? <laughs> no, I agree. That's the they won't exist much longer for that very reason. True. There's an invasion on the horizon. Hollywood um, grabs so, yes. metal and hits Test in the head with it, and so their music then plays while they stand in the ring, even though Taz and Test and Albert won. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, none of this matters. Yeah. Then we go back it's to like the Thanksgiving. Is it anyway. Yep. McFoley says we're missing something sweet. And then Too Cool shows up. Grandmaster Sexy has got sweet potatoes. Sweet potato and casserole. Think, yes, casserole. Sorry. And then Sky Too Hotty had what was that, the orange salad or whatever. I I couldn't understand what he said, but looking at the <laughs> bowl, there were oranges around the bottom of it, and it looked like a salad. I think okay. he says orange salad. Either way, it's fucking weird. But then Foley gets fucking weird with doing the daddy-o ah, ah, nonsense stuff. Then, oh, uh, yeah. 
And then Deborah says, stop trying to act like you're hip. And he's like, I am hip. And then they cut. (laughs) Yeah, and Mick will pretty much spend the remainder of the evening hanging out with Too Cool. Oh, he loves Too Cool, yeah. He he wants to be that Rikishi role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get a Lugs Boots commercial, which just always takes me back immediately. I love it. I love the animation for these things. It's it looks <laughs> awesome, but I love yeah. this one especially because it does. They they take the little bit of time that they have where they're supposed to be saying Lugs is bringing you this raw like replay of the week or slam of the week right. or stomp of the week or something like that. Right. Instead, it's just. Lugs wishes you a happy holiday season, like peace and joy. And then it just like, <laughs> and then, right. then a replay starts. It's like, well, what is this? What you didn't tell yeah. me the name of the segment. <laughs> they, they don't name it. No, we just see uh, the Dudley Boys 3D. Um, well, we see a 3D attempt. Stephen Richards, though, pulled them out before the pin. So they hit it, but Richards cost them the match with the tag team champions. And so. Shane went through a table. Yes, that's right. Sorry. But yeah, no. Was but, it Shane or was it Richards? I think Richards. Stephen. Yeah, yes. it was Stephen Richards. Yeah. So that takes us to match number three, right? Yeah, three. That's right. It's Val Venus with Stephen Richards of right to censor. So lots of um, you know alarms going off for the entry here. Taking yeah. on. Oh my God. The, the, first off, it takes forever for them to even come out. At first, it's just Val Venus on the microphone for like a minute and a half. Yeah. So I was right. so like curious about what it was. So like I don't find out until they start performing their song. But it is K Quick, along with his buddy Road Dog, and they are going to perform their entire rap song "Get Rowdy" as they come to the ring. Oh man! Like Which I, I know will everybody... put audio of that into this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we all love the. Oh, what is it nowadays? That what's it's been up? Forever. What's up? What's up? Yeah, what's, what's up? up? Yeah. But man, nothing is better than this one. This is the oh, good shit right here. This is wild. They're getting rowdy. Because you even he even said the thing at some point. Val Venus, doesn't he like Yeah, Val Venus happy thinks Yeah. Says instead you're proving that you're immoral scumbags, and that's when scumbags was censored. Yeah. It's cause yeah, because no one everyone should be home with their family spending quality time instead of being here and they're that's not. True. And then he says, he demands the fans say no more to the song Get Rowdy and instead <laughs> get morality. And <laughs> That's an underrated line. That's good it stuff. It was good stuff. Uh, the, so yeah, here comes our truth. They perform their song. Here's some of that. We're going to get rowdy right now, King. Shoot 
when King says like rap and wrestling go together like turkey and wrestling or turkey and dressing, I was like, no, I don't know if it fits as well as you think it does. <laughs> King. No, there's those that move trying to push that. People, those the Wale's and others of the world give them this false impression that the rap world likes them, but yes. I don't think it's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we get a head scissor followed by a clothesline that sends Venus to the floor. K quick with a dive over the top. Um, not bad. Val dropped uh, quick across the guardrail outside the ring. We move back inside, and K quick delivers a clothesline and then a back body drop on Venus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's in full control. Is that the big spinning head scissors then a clothesline that takes Val to the floor? Yeah, we're past that. Okay. Yeah, and then, uh, so yeah, Quick sends Venus into the corner hard and then delivers a drop kick. And then I think there's a little miscommunication here. Val then catches Quick with a back elbow and pinned him with his feet on the ropes, but the ref was on to him and caught him and did not count the three. <laughs> I, was, I just, I noticed there was a sign in the background that just read, I'm not a jabroni. <laughs> And listen, at this time you had to declare that because there was a lot of jabronian getting tossed around. Yeah. And then, so there's a Frankensteiner by Kay Quick that sends Venus to the middle of the ring. And then here come the good father and Bull Buchanan. They attack Road Dog. That distracts the referee. And this yeah. allows Kay Quick to just get screwed here. He turns his back, and this allows a roll-up to happen, but he gets out of that, or he counters it into a roll-up of his own. But the ref's not looking, so that doesn't matter. In comes Steven Richards, hits him with the DDT, and then leaves. Val Venus covers him, and the ref turns around and counts it one, two, three, and your winner is Val Venus. Old White Sox. Steven Richards in there. Uh, also, like one of the deadliest DDTs in the history of wrestling because it takes forever for like Val to pin him <laughs> and then that ref to turn around. For sure. Yeah, the fans don't like it. They're booing. Uh, right. but that's, that's about all, all you can say about that. Um, <laughs> it was, it was good to see. It was, it was amazing that seeing Ron killings here though. True. Yes. You know, just what a testament and, to his <laughs> ability and longevity road dog and his braids. Uh, we then go well, to yeah. the Thanksgiving meal, which has grown. There are lots of people at different tables. Now the Dudley yep. boys are there. There's some extras in the background that you never get to know who they are. Um, nope. And also, Funaki is here, and he brought something. Did you, did you write down what he brought? I'm ashamed to even have to say it out loud. He brought Kung Pao chicken. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah. It's still chicken. <laughs> Why is everyone bringing chicken? I know. Right? Turn, what like, family do you come from? Uh, but yeah, he's here, to, he's here at the party. The Dudleys are doing the waza. At least at this time point, it was still, like, culturally relevant. Yeah. McFoley says, now all we have to do is invite Kane, and this scares Funaki away as he leaves the party, I guess. Um, yeah. Is this the point that then Foley gets a bunch of, like, whipped cream sprayed in his mouth, or is that still to come? <laughs> I don't know. That might be later. I don't, okay. I don't have anything about it at this point. We go to a commercial break, and then we see Kurt yeah. Angle, and he says he was pleased to announce that the annual Survivor, Survivor Series screw job was avoided as he retained the title, which I'm sure in 2000 is probably, I mean, they probably had one ever since the original. They had. Every year since 97, <laughs> they'd done it. Um, and the other company was doing it too. Uh, this, I mean, my God, how great is Kurt Angle? He's fantastic here, man, especially and with his brother. He is a year 
just at this point now a year into his career in the WWF. Yeah. This is some of the best shit ever. And he's, you know, still a new guy. And he's the champion of the company after <laughs> cutting a promo on The Undertaker. Yeah, so this is great stuff. He says it was his baby brother's idea to hide under the ring and then come out and celebrate with me after the match. <laughs> he says, but Undertaker uh. found him down there and attacked him. But Angle won the match anyway. And then here comes the Undertaker. Uh, Eric Angle gets choke slammed again. Taker yes. then beats on Kurt, slams him through some tables at stage side. And yeah. Jim Ross is just losing his mind in this uh, this recap here. Wait, choke slamming him off the stage through a table. So yes, pretty, yeah, pretty, off the stage through the, some tables. It's it's brutal. It was pretty great. But that, that was just the recap. Now we get... The live Kurt Angle here. He's got a neck brace on. Probably borrowed it from Vince. It is, it is that exact neck brace that we've seen so many times in yes. wrestling. But yes. <laughs> they probably have the one that they've just used over the years. Uh, <laughs> WF No Mercy is our sponsor tonight, which is like, hell yeah. Along with Crunch and Munch and Zelda Majora's Mask. Oh, okay. So, how about that? Kurt was naive thinking things between him and the Undertaker would be over after beating him. Oh, I loved his his explanation that in the past, when I've fought people and beat them in all these other sports and all these other ventures, they just shake my hand and say, you're the better man. But not (laughs) the Undertaker. He's a sore loser. (laughs) It's amazing. It's great stuff. Um, It says Eric was, you know, mentions again that Eric was just under the ring to celebrate with him as a surprise. Um, he says, "Congratulations, Undertaker! You earned, you know, you earned him the honor of <laughs> sore loser of the year." <laughs> is what Kurt declares the Undertaker. Uh, I love Jr. The Undertaker is it not Jr. or the King? I think he says something about like I don't think the Undertaker is going to care about that award, but okay, <laughs> right? I think what I mean, yeah. Um, Angle would say, "Unlike the Undertaker, I like my brother, and I didn't oh, set him his brother's face on fire." <laughs> <laughs> and make him wear a scary mask for the rest of his life. Yep. He calls Taker sick and twisted for throwing him from the stage to the floor. And then says, but I get it. You're jealous. Undertaker, where are your gold medals? <laughs> and he makes fun of his bike and his scary tattoos. And he says he won't get the ultimate gold medal, the WWF title. Yeah. <laughs> then he, he calls his. Him- American badass, but you're not to say ass on this copy because they bleep that out for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I like that he said his spiffy bike. You have a spiffy bike. <laughs> oh man! But then here he comes threatening Taker. Him. He says if he ever sees him again, he's going to do something, and that keys up the dead man as True. he make or not the dead man officially, but R- dead man Inc. Yeah. Undertaker. Oh man! How much do you love this entrance theme? You're this like, is the worst. You've done it because now. of this fake oh. fucking "You've done it now" music. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, it's like I just wish that God, they could have just really paid Limp Biscuit and Kid Rock for their fucking songs to play in these specific timelines when they had that song. Yeah, what do they want? Like four dollars for the rights of those songs? I mean, they can't be asking for too much. Seriously. Um. But yeah. Taker backs Kurt into the corner and then just attacks him. That was kind of unjust. Be your judgment day. So bad. Ugh. God, at least he's not big red yet. Um, 
Edge and Christian, though, run out to help Kurt. And Kurt would take advantage and chop block the Taker. The three men would have their way with the dead man. Mm-hmm. Um, but Taker got real hot after a slap to the face. And literally, <laughs> those three just ran they, as fast as they could away they from They stomp the him in the corner, and as soon as he's on his, his ass, like uh, <laughs> Kurt just winds up oh, and just paintbrushes him. And this pisses him off, and he just fights them all off. Yeah, those guys probably made the right decision there to get no, the hell out No, it's good stuff, there. but then the announcers are saying that this was all, like, the whole reason that Kurt started talking shit was to get Undertaker to come out, because it was all a setup for this ambush. I hadn't thought about that, but I guess it makes sense. It's like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Seems like you're giving the heel too much credit. We see uh, Regal just- backstage, he's in full gear with his title on, and then the Rock's walking, and it's <sighs> we're building towards the commercial break. But man, that's the little things with Regal that make it. Because not only is he they show him walking, he's in his full gear. He goes over and makes a point to shake hands with each one of like the arena's security guys <laughs> that are like that. standing along the walkway. Oh goodness. Uh yeah. So Kurt and Edge and Christian are pretty proud of themselves as they leave the building and get into a car and speed away outside. You even hear Christian tell or Kurt telling Christian, because Christian goes, How's your neck feel? And he goes, It's good. <laughs> as they're leaving, so good. Um, that takes us to match number four: William Regal versus The Rock. Yeah, and this one, like you know, as far as entrances, I didn't have any notes from these entrances. <laughs> no, I mean, well, they both kind of already came out once, so there's not yeah. a whole lot to it. Rock is all over Regal early on; hits a back elbow after Regal is coming off the ropes. Rock would fire out of the corner after being whipped in with a clothesline. And then I did it for the Rock. <laughs> Rikishi appears on the ramp. Oh, man. Oh. You know you're in the golden age when it's the heel Rikishi. What in the world is he doing here, King? Oh. <laughs> Why don't you come down to commentary? Uh, but yeah, honestly, this has no impact. He does nothing. And then he just goes away. Just stands it here is- and watches. It is useless. Uh, but cool Regal, his there was fucking, a... his his fucking giant like pipeline jeans and dude, where do you even get those? I don't um, know. Regal would take advantage. There was a slight distraction at this point, at least. Um, but Rock would toss William to the floor and then send him into the guardrail. Uh, William though whips the Rock into the steel ring post and then pummels him into the crowd and back to ringside. I was like, all right, you go Regal. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, but Rock would catch him coming back over the guardrail. Uh, Regal, though, rebounds and grabs a chair, but missed hitting the ring post. Just <laughs> dealt with the vibration. Yeah, that was that was the king's chair. He just took it away from him. Yeah, he just took it. Yeah, that was good, actually. Um, yeah, he slams Rock off the announce table. Like, he slams his head into it and then throws him back in the ring. And the Rock fires back with a diving forearm. And then he takes a suplex from Regal for a two count. We get a quick one count right after that. And Rikishi still staring on from the top. Uh, Rock yeah. with punches, and the fans start losing it just as he's getting excited. But, man, it's a hope spot. He goes right back down. Regal gets a two-count. DDT by the Rock, and he uses the double underhook throw thing on Regal that gets a two-count. Yeah, It's good stuff. Yeah, Regal would catch the Rock with the Regal slice. And that might have been it, but no, only a two. The Rock kicks out. Stops from Regal, but he's eventually caught with a dragon screw that Hiroshi Tanahashi would be proud of, followed mm-hmm. by the sharpshooter that Bret Hart would not be proud of because he's not proud of any of you. And he gets the win. <laughs> Your winner, The Rock. 
I thought this yep. was a really another really really good TV match. No, this was a lot of fun, and it you know it got me interested in what the storyline is between Rikishi and The Rock. But now knowing that it doesn't pay off, it's like, well, what the fuck? Oh, I mean, it pays off from the standpoint that I mean, I think they have a match at some point. And, oh, okay, but, but it's already I think also been revealed at this point that Triple H was the actual actual mastermind behind mm-hmm. running Stone Cold over. Okay. So now Rikishi just kind of looks silly. Well, the crowd is going nuts. Rock turns to Rikishi and gives him the just bring it hand. Rikishi points and smiles and says, no, no, brother, I'm not, not going down there. Um, and then Regal's in the corner and he's gloating to the crowd that he's still the champion. And the Rock turns <laughs> around and is like, what the fuck? So he grabs yeah. him, hits the Rock bottom. The crowd cheers and they play his song again. All right. Hey, that's what, you know, he must Rock must pose. So. Uh, but hey, back to the party. And Funaki has taken a seat at the table with the Dudley boys. Mm-hmm. Speaking of turkeys, here comes Midian, as Mick Foley says. And Midian, this is what I mean by these people and these goddamn dishes out of these books. He's brought his own special soup. Yeah. Soup? Midian brought his own soup. Yeah, the two cool make fun of the soup. Yeah, they should. And Cole says he couldn't eat something that Midian made. And King oh. says, well, all the recipes are from the WWF cookbook. And I was like, oh, okay. Why didn't you guys mention what, that more? What a cookbook it must be with all these wonderful <laughs> options. Whatever they could heat up in the microwave or make without cooking. No stuffing. Uh, There's been no stuffing. There's been no, no turkey. No There's been no. no mashed potatoes. No right. mac and cheese. No, no you guys, corn They pudding. couldn't think of a funny joke with like a can of cranberries. Cranberry juice, like the only the the sweet potato casserole is the only thing, and then fully treated it like it was like some like weird like (laughs) you know soul food option or something. It's it's the only thing that actually makes any sense. Oh Jesus! So that takes us to match number five. It's Taz, which every time I hear this theme music now, I just see the image from Botchamania with the (laughs) the Oompa Loompa. Yeah. But it's Taz versus Raven, and I'll tell you what, before we get into this, this could, if they would have given these guys time, could have been a really good match, but they gave them no time, so we get, like, some interesting action, followed by an immediate cut to end. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, because, I mean, it's the ECW guys, people are kind of happy about this, um... Triple, you know, we will get an update on the team against, or teamed with each other, but they, they couldn't get along. Ah, uh, they lost to too cool. Um, yeah, we hear we're going to get an update on the condition of Triple H, who was dropped 40 feet in the air while inside a car. I think we'll have to see the video of that later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the men fight in the ring. Cole tells us to demand TNN from our cable providers if we <laughs> don't currently have, because at this point they had gone to the TNN network that had far less reach than USA. Yeah, so. they, we've heard a lot of fans that uh, aren't getting their TNN, so make sure to call your cable provider. It's not our fault. We're sorry. Um, yeah, so we get raking of the eyes as Taz does that and then slams Raven's head into the mat. And he immediately yells, get up, get up, fight me. Uh, yeah. Raven blocks a punch and fights back with a punch of his own. I think it's a suplex from Taz for a two count. Uh, we just have here. I just have in my notes, giving Taz a waistline makes him even shorter and like, yes. visually like you need to have him in like the fucking overalls or the, the singlet. Yep. There's something that doesn't have that waist right there. Um, it's a big mistake. Yeah, this is pretty good. We get a nice bridging suplex by Taz to counter Raven's DDT. Then Raven hits the DDT, 
and pins him out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, like that was how my notes were. I'm like, just as I'm getting into this game match over. <laughs> I mean, well, that's, yeah. And I don't think these guys ever got time on pay-per-view, probably, unfortunately. But yeah, no, again, I mean, it didn't amount to much of anything, but, you know, it's fun seeing these guys, yeah. at least, you know, having a match. That's true. Uh, back to the party. Deborah has to leave because she has pies in the oven. Mm. Like, where is this oven that you speak of? Um, Devon Dudley and Bubba brought dumplings. I will say that that's another Dudleyville thing. chicken dumplings. Yeah, that uh, that's a little more in line. If you just want to maybe use turkey, uh, Mick. It's with, another chicken thing. Yes, you're right. It's, yes, and Mick does the Devon get the dumplings, which. None of they all know sold, but I thought yeah. it was actually really funny. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he says it's great to see you sitting at the table, not putting guys through it. And then he has to stop them from putting someone through the table. Um, yeah, yeah. So WWF SmackDown Two Know Your Role is going to be sponsoring the mm. Raw Rewind, and we get Trish doing something to Molly or something. I don't know. I didn't. My notes were <laughs> she, not very good. She hit a DDT and cost her a match that she was involved in. <laughs> That's why we're going to match number six. The blood feud continues. It's Trish Stratus versus Molly Holly. Yeah. With Teddy Long as your official. I was surprised to see Trish also wearing the T and APA shirt as she was coming out to the ring. Yeah. Well, she's still committed enough. This is actually kind of an interesting match here from Trish because this is very early in, you know, her becoming regularly wrestling Trish. Yeah. she wasn't really doing that up to this point yet. So, But nice. Molly, she's in good hands here with Molly Holly. This match is pretty good. Dude, um, this get, was another yeah. one where the crowd reaction was like she is the biggest. Uh, Molly Holly comes out and is this gigantic star. And I was like, there's no maybe, way. Because you can see the crowd, and they are not reacting the way that it sounds like. Maybe Fort Lauderdale just loves the Holly family. Okay, that's <laughs> twice now that you've gone after the crowd response to the Hollies. I think that whatever the original Holly music was, they just had to get rid of it. And I'm going to order a cameo from this. Hardcore Holly now, just threatening to beat you up for insulting his family. Uh, dude, there was, I can't, uh, someone did a cameo for Vince Averill. He does the We Watch Wrestling podcast, but they did it with <laughs> fucking Nick Gage and oh, like God. made a joke about him saying that Nick Gage was soft or something like that. <laughs> so Nick Gage starts going after him. Like, it's good stuff. Oh. Oh, that would be terrifying. Even if I knew I'd never run into him, that would terrify me. Oh, well, that's things like uh, Vince Averill's like, I go to shows that he's on. Like, I don't want the, I don't want this nonsense. Like, I don't want this. So after Molly had the early advantage, Trish would fire up. Uh, she would hit a suplex and get a two count. She'd slam the face of Molly into the turnbuckle. She then sat on the top rope and choked Molly Holly, lifting her off the mat a little bit. Uh, we then get a bulldog from Stratus off the top, kind of. And that gets a near fall. And she's impressively in control here over the uh, much more seasoned Molly Holly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Molly would then. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I'm trying to find the bulldog, but I lost it. I'm keep going. All right. Molly would then toss Trish off the top rope after she had made the mistake of trying that game again. Um, Chops then from Holly, followed by a Northern Light suplex, gets a two count. So the Bulldog was right after her, like, grabbing and lifting her by her neck in the corner? Okay. Because there's a a point there, just when she goes up into the corner, that we get a terrible call from the King about how, like, just call me AT&T, Trish, let me reach out and touch you. And I was like, Jesus, King, like, really? I, I, I didn't mention earlier his 
Siegfried and Roy joke during about Al Snow in the other match. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. He said, I was going to be his tag team partner, but he said he wanted to practice some holds like Siegfried and Roy. Uh-huh. Uh. Oh, because, oh, okay. I yeah, see. yeah. Because he's king and he's terrible. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. Trish is shoved to the mat, and then we get the Molly go around, which at this point, they didn't know what the hell to call that move. They were blown <laughs> away by it. Um, it is a good move. Is, is that the flipping Thez press? That she yeah, does exactly. Yeah, she okay. flips and sits on your chest. Yeah, that's good I stuff. Sits people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And Molly Holly got the win, and uh, but I thought this was a, a good showing from Trish because, like I said, at this point, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that she's had but a few like singles matches. So I didn't even realize that. I felt like she, yeah, you know, did perfectly fine. So she had to get away from those mean old TNA guys, and then she broke out and became a star. Oh. So, you know, match ends. They don't really, like, we don't get the whole, like, post-match, like, big celebration or anything. It's just now cameras for Thanksgiving. And Deborah asks, who wants a piece of her pie as the camera, like, follows her ass as she comes into the room? Uh, Funaki says, excuse me, much like pie. And everyone cheers and and uh-huh. laughs. And, and we get the, like, JR and Mick Foley knowing recognition look at each other moment again. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's not great, but there's funny things about it. <laughs> uh, we get replays of the radicals. Dude, this stuff TPS. with, the, like, the, the crane and the car. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what just, like, I, I zoned out for a second, and all of a sudden Triple H was in a car being dropped by Stone Cold. Yeah, at Survivor Series, the radicals interfered in the Steve Austin-Triple H match. They fought all the way outside of the building, but Austin eventually bested Benoit. And took control of a, a crane of some sort. And Triple H was trying to escape in a car that Steve would then lift and drop 40 feet. Yes. We then would see that on Raw, because this show is like 20% of Raw. Uh, Stephanie tells us in a very obnoxious Stephanie way that Triple H didn't suffer any broken bones. And it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a miracle. She pleaded... Uh, with Steve yes. and the crowd to accept her apology. Yes, Triple H has realized the miracle of life, and they are trying to have a baby <laughs> in that way that only she can say things. Oh, yeah. But I love Austin here. This is like why Steve Austin oh. is so beloved. Stone Cold's <laughs> great. He's just like, doesn't give a shit, doesn't accept it, and it ain't over by a long shot. Doesn't matter, you know, about your baby. So. No. Adam Cole or Michael Cole tells us that Triple H has been released from the hospital. So he didn't have any broken bones. What's well, he been in the hospital for so long for? Also, like we're told, China is hosting Sunday Night Heat this week, and there's going to be yeah. more thoughts from Steph about the reaction of Stone Cold to her apology on that show. I, I, I need to watch that episode of Heat because I, I can't imagine that those two are like in the same segment. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Oh, anyways, go ahead. Back to Thanksgiving. Back to Thanksgiving. Tiger Alley, Sting, and Lowdown have interrupted. <laughs> These guys, every time they're on, they're interrupting and demanding to be a part of something, like the Rumble. Uh, but they demand to be a part of this celebration. Deborah tries to calm them down, but Tiger Sting tossed the pie, and DP, it went into the face of the wrong man as mm-hmm. the lethal weapon himself, Steve Blackman. Finds himself with pie on his face. And oh. then the fight begins. Bubba Ray got to do the Jim Belushi line, which I'm sure he was very excited about. The Animal House reference with the food fight. 
Oh, yeah. Everybody starts throwing food. Oh, the Dudleys put fucking Ali Singh through the table. They are yelling <laughs> about food fighting. All the wrestlers and extras are throwing food everywhere. Deborah comes over and hits Foley with a pie. And yeah, it's it's a, it's fun stuff. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's a good time. It's a, it's what you know. It's what you expect from these Thanksgiving episodes. And then we see the main eventers. They're walking backstage toward the ring, and we get a commercial yeah. break. Yeah, exactly. A commercial that involves Chris Jericho. Dude, this was awesome. In his short stint as the Chef Boyardee face for a little while. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Did he write about this in one of his books? Yeah, it's in, I think, the, it, well, not the first one. It'd be in the second one. Okay. I'd be curious to hear his thoughts on this. I just, I, I'm, cause it's like you said, I'm, I'm, why, I'm curious why he doesn't do it more or why it was just like a very well, short like, time. It started with Foley. And then I feel like there was something before Jericho, like maybe a big show or somebody. I can't, but the Hardys, I feel like, are what comes after Jericho. Uh, okay. So. Yeah, it's overstuffed but, beef ravioli and Chris Jericho likes it, I guess. He's, He's never, ever leaving this island paradise. Oh, so. yeah, because they're on an island with only that, I guess, to eat. Uh, right. Yeah. We then get a quick mention of December 10th's Armageddon pay-per-view, so make sure to tune in and buy that. It's the end of the world, literally. But first, it's the main event tonight. It's match number seven. Match seven is Chris Benoit and Kane teaming up to take on Chris Jericho and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Yeah. I like how angry you were at the end of that Austin. Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't know who the heels and who the faces are here. Well, I mean, just think about it. who's who do you want to cheer for? I want to Chris, cheer for Jericho, Jericho and, Steve Austin. and Steve Austin. Yes, but yeah. like, but Jer- Steve Austin is coming out to disturbed, and I've been told that, that means uh, he's not a good guy. Well, no, he's it's okay to this point. After WrestleMania 17, it's all down, uh, you know, okay. changes. But no, we have Kane and Chris Jericho on opposite sides here because they're in a feud. Because Kane didn't like that Jericho was good looking. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're trying to make they'd him disfigured. Ar- yeah, they'd have a match at Armageddon. And then Steve Austin and Chris Benoit are entangled in a little bit of a tussle because the radicals cost him his match with Triple H at Survivor Series. Gotcha. So. Well, but otherwise, it's very random, and you're right. This one <laughs> gets going quick. Like, it's not oh, uh, yeah. much. Yeah, Stone Cold tells Jericho something, and then Jericho begins the match against Benoit. Um, Jericho's hits the Judas effect early on on Benoit to knock him <laughs> down and then hits a chop and then in tags Austin and we get a drop toe hold by Benoit as they talk about how you know Austin's doing brawling moves while Benoit's a wrestler he floats over and Austin pulls him loose and we get a missed clothesline as Benoit ducks it and then he mocks Austin with a shaking no finger he gives him the mutumbo no 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 <laughs> uh, in comes Kane He's stomping Steve on the mat. Austin caught a big boot and delivered elbows to the knee of Kane. Going to try to chop the tree down. Kane, though, escapes, but Austin <laughs> caught him with the Luthes press. And the announcer spending it- all this time telling us about how Kane hates beautiful people, the beautiful people, and he wants to disfigure all of them. That's his quest. I mean, I guess it's not a bad way to be about things, I suppose. Um, in comes Y2J, but Kane takes control. Uh, Jericho, though, does manage to escape it back suplex and then chops down Kane's leg. Uh, but Kane would catch Jericho and kick him out of the ring. And uh, Benoit is then dropped outside, and Jericho slides back inside. There's Benoit sucks chance from the crowd at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, he wasn't liked. 
Uh, and Kane would catch Jericho with another big boot immediately, and Benoit tags in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kane then catches Jericho's cross body and stops the tag. I, I don't have any notes for when Benoit tagged in. I saw I have him tagging in, but I don't have any notes. For, uh, he attacks Austin, but the ref stops him from coming back in. This distracts the referee, and then the faces, the heels, I have no idea, take advantage. Stone Cold, though, breaks it up on a three count as he dives in with a clothesline to stop Kane from pinning him. But Jericho's flying burrito hits Benoit. Austin tags, but the ref didn't see it. Uh-huh, it's at this point that I man. finally realized who the faces were. Right, yeah. So Austin gets in the ring anyway and stuns the ref. <laughs> and then so. Kane, and then Benoit, oh, yeah. and yeah. then Kane grabs him, but Jericho saves him, and Stone Cold stuns Kane as well. It's it's a lot of stunning. He grabs beer. Like, it was one of those, like, I feel like they heard the referee go, that's it, go home, and they just stun, 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 give me beers, and they fucking threw the cl- the copyright up, show's over. It was like... They just defaulted on that one. That was like, we're, we're just going to the most easy finish that we have. Absolutely. So I can't go wrong with Austin drinking some beers. You know, Doesn't beating care about up the, the bad guys. Yep. At least he didn't stun Jericho. I thought that was a good good moment for Jericho. He I did think it was like, funny, though. Like, he stunned all those other people. And then, like, as he's leaving with the beers, they flash to the ring real quick. And you see that Jericho went yeah. and hit, like, a lion's <laughs> salt on one of them for no reason. Right. And then, like... Back to the beers, and we close. Like they didn't even show you. They didn't even show it. What a waste! Uh, but overall, you know, it's a real easy watch. Um, it's oh yeah. I didn't necessarily expect it to be this Thanksgiving heavy when I just Thanksgiving was in the description, and I like William Regal, so I p- clicked on this one. Um, but we ended up with with a whole Thanksgiving storyline that was quite entertaining. Yeah, I'm not sure how much longer that keeps up. Like, I do feel like there's a time when like. There was a lot less of that, you know, this kind of shenanigans. Well, you know, know when it's not exactly on Thursday, I'm sure it probably dies off. So, true, true, very true. But yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, overall, I, I also, I agree. I thought, you know, it's a fun show. It's a, you know, it's a good time to go. You know, especially if you're, you know, if you have nostalgia for this era, it's you know, fun to go back and take, kind of take a look. And uh, mm-hmm. also, just amazing when you consider and you talk about the amount of talent that was on the show. I mean, The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestled on this episode of SmackDown. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. And Kurt Angle's the champion. They're not even the champions. None of them are. Oh, the Undertaker came out. Kurt Angle's there. Right. Yeah, there's, there's a wild amount of talent on this. Um, I couldn't find a lot in terms of second opinions. Uh, this show has a single vote on cage match of <laughs> 7 out of 10. Um, it was by Wrestling Forever. He voted in April 27th of 2019. This is translated from German, but I thought it's the only review I found. So here, let's see what he had to say. In terms of match technology, the main event was the course, of course, the best match for me with three stars. I found The Rock versus Regal to be the second best match with two and a quarter stars. The promo of The Rock where he insulted Regal was wonderful. Secret highlight of the f- secret highlight was the food fight. It was a really good WWF SmackDown Thanksgiving edition. Seven points out of ten. Hey, I, I don't. I, you know, that's not. I, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I think yeah. that the Eddie Guerrero Billy Gunn match was the best match on the show. Oh, okay, okay. The first match. I can see that. That it's. I mean, it's it's definitely a fun one. It's it's a good one. Um, I don't, I don't like I don't, Billy Gunn winning, but it, technically, yeah, it's probably the best match. <laughs> man, how dare you? Fucking the Gun Club are on fire right now. How dare you be dismissive of? 
the one mm. Billy Gun. The one Billy Gun. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. Uh, that's our thoughts on SmackDown Thanksgiving edition from the year 2000. Tony, it's getting late. Let's close this one out. We are kind of taking a bit of a break here coming up. I think if you're going to be on the RSS feed, you'll be getting some Christmas episodes again. But I am actually going to be in the midst of doing a career, a job change, and a move. And I don't want to go into too many details, but yeah, moving uh, for about five hours so away. So it's going to take a lot to do that, to find an apartment, and also get moved in time. And so yeah. I don't really have time to, to, to devote to all of this stuff. So we're just going to kind of go on auto mode for a little while. But when we come back, we do already have a show picked out. So Tony, what are we reviewing next? Yeah, we're going to go back and watch UWF's Blackjack Brawl. Yes. This is a show that I only know of because it has been described as infamously bad. Yes. Which, listen, I mean, that's, we like that kind of stuff around here. Generally, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be UWF Blackjack Brawl is what you will see from us the next time you You see anything from us. Like, who the stars of the main event are? Uh, I mean, I don't have it right in front of me. I mean, I can't remember because there's a show, you know, like, there's shows with, like, Dan Spivey and... Dr. Death. I feel um, like Dr. Death is involved in this one. Yeah, there's two of them. One of them, the, sh- the second, is this, the- oh yeah, this is the one that's insane. This ma- this is also a show, folks. Hang on, while, while we have you here. It's here. <laughs> one, two, three, there's four, like five, matches. six, seven, eight, nine title matches <laughs> on an 11-match card. 11-match card, nine title. It's, yeah, it's like three and a half hours on the, the copy that main, we have on YouTube. Main here. event for the UWF world title is Dr. Death Steve Williams defending against Sid Vicious, our own mascot himself. Oh, yeah. We've got Cactus Jack and Jimmy Snuka in a Lumberjack match. Uh, the Killer Bees uh, tag title match against the new Powers of Pain. Warlord's there. I, we'll, have to figure out, we'll have to find out who Power Warrior is. Probably not good. Uh, we've got a little person's championship match. We've got ladies' championship matches. We've got sports channel championships. It's everything. All it's you can ask for. Going to be a happening. And I hear that the announcer is absolutely awful. So that should be fun, too. So we'll listen to a bunch of that. We'll talk all about it. We'll talk all about the matches next time that we return. In the meantime, until we return, enjoy the Christmas editions of the show, of course. We uh, always stand behind, I, I at least I do personally stand behind those shows. I think they're some of our best content that we've put out, and they're definitely enjoyable. I like to listen to them every Christmas season as well. Absolutely, yeah. Lots of fun. So uh, it's uh, goodbye for now, but not for long. And uh, we'll see you soon with mm-hmm. UWF's Blackjack Brawl. So due to uh, extensive injuries we discussed last week, uh, Kenny Omega... Relinquished the AAA Heavyweight Championship. Yes. And poor AAA Vikingo. responded. What's that? said, poor Vikingo. He can't get his match with the best bout machine, his five-star. The con's going to get it on his turf. That's what's going to end up happening. <laughs> um, so, so they decided, we're not just going to replace Kenny Omega. We're going to put together a five-way match. Oh, I I had heard two names. I didn't know about this five. And then they were like, let's just make it as random and wild as possible. Kind of random. I'm, I, I think it looks interesting. But so it's Vikingo, you know, the champion against Samurai Del Sol. 
Okay. Or Kalisto. Yeah. Lucha. Jay Lucha. L- yeah. Jay Lethal. That was one name Bobby, that I heard. Bobby Fish. Oh, okay. And Bandito. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was five of them. I'd, like I'd heard a bunch of this like hype about all of these different names, but I didn't yeah. realize it was all connected to this one match. So there's that. Um, you know, listen, I've seen that if you is are it just a fatal five way rules or is it elimination or ah Jesus, dude, that I don't know. Plus, these companies are crazy. It'll probably change the day of the show anyway. <laughs> you know, they'll add five more people to it or something. But. All of a sudden, what three, yeah. three different members of the clown family will be part of the match. Sure. Yeah, Psycho Clown, who's been like picking fights with soccer players on Twitter today, and, like oh, was getting gosh. a lot of press about it, like just calling out soccer guys. But anyways, uh, I think this sounds interesting. But what the hell do I know? Because the opinion of those that you know I consider to be like very into you know Mexican wrestling or yeah. AAA, especially, and are constantly commenting on you know the dysfunction or the good and the bad. None of them are all that happy. <laughs> like Bobby Fish probably caught the most hell. Okay, which you know who knows how, how that really came to be. He probably really once wanted to work Mexico. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were asking Khan like, "Who can we have?" And Bobby was like, "Hey, I'll go." You know, so yeah, I don't no, know. I kind of wondered that. My my thought was they wanted to send Jay Leith because originally I thought it was a three way match. And right. then it was those two, Bobby Fish and Jay Lethal, going down and just having the match with Vikingo or whatever. And I was like, okay, they want to send Jay Lethal, but Jay Lethal doesn't want to eat the pin yet, so Bobby Fish is going down to eat the pin in a three-way match. But no, there's five guys, and, and then like yeah. to have Bobby Fish, then now, now it doesn't make as much sense anymore, unless he's still just going right. to eat whatever pin. It probably will be when you look at this list. I don't know. Ring of Honor might not want their champion to get pinned, but... um. It's not the champ. I don't know. I can't remember if he's the champ anymore. Who can keep track anymore? Dalton Castle won the television title. That was cool. I don't know what it means moving forward, but <laughs> <laughs> he's the Ring of Honor yeah. television champion. That don't, they don't make television anymore. Um, anyways, so we go to Raw. And oh boy, folks, if you manage to miss the egg saga, don't worry. Because we start the show cold with a full recap of the previous week's events. <laughs> um. Or, you know, or we get a recap of the missing egg. Sorry. Yeah. This is the missing egg episode. But they're calling back to the pay-per-view where, you know, the, the saga began. Um, Vince is with Adam Pierce and Sonny Deville and is upset that the egg has not been found. I, just, um, the, I, did, I, I missed Survivor Series. I didn't watch it. Yeah, that's what I meant. If you missed but, that, don't worry. They'll catch you up. But, like... I just remember seeing that like an egg was trending and then Vince McMahon was trending. I was like, what is happening on Survivor Show? So I was so curious. And then I just saw yeah. an image of him with this ridiculous looking golden egg. And then I heard someone say something about a hundred million dollars. I was like, All right, I'm not even going to turn. I couldn't even go to it. So then they just like continue it on Raw. It's just yeah. wild to me that it's just, it takes up this whole show. It is. I mean, I, I would say mind blowing, but is it really? I mean, these these people are insane. Yeah, I saw the egg and Vince trending, and I thought, oh, I bet there was some kind of callback. The big egg, like Gobbledygooker, Gobbledygooker yeah. came out of it. That that'll be quick and fun, I'm sure. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Um, no, it was. I loved the arrival Vince had when he at Survivor when he gets out of the limo and he's like holding the egg, and the whole locker room's there, like clapping, like because <gasps> it was just like literally the Pamela Anderson. Like Royal Rumble '95 moment, Ugh. like recreated. They were just missing like Dink standing in front of everybody's <laughs> with a big smile on his face. I, 
Yeah. Here, and the other thing about this also, whole egg situation is that if I hadn't literally completely by coincidence watched Red Notice with our friend Jason the night before, I wouldn't have known what the <laughs> hell was going on at all. Instead, I was immediately mortified because I didn't really love that movie. And I was like, oh, yeah. you're going to follow me to the Survivor Series? Like, come on. So did, did, the, did the egg look good compared to the movie or did it look like, yeah. bad? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, the egg itself was probably was a prop. You know, or something, because it, yeah, okay. it looked pretty much like the ones from the movie. It just it comes off to me like it's this weird thing where it's like you've got wrestlers, and they've always, you know, they've ever, ever since like anytime we've watched wrestling or talked about how like the wrestlers feel towards the greater media world. There's always this like this this spurned, like indignant. They're they're upset that people look down on them, but they want to be proven to be just as well as as the actors and as the other, you know, right. the movie makers. And Vince wants to make movies and all this stuff, but it just feels like the Rock, the great one, is the one that graduated to that world and he dominated that world. So it just it validates them. And then like the Rock gives Vince a present and he brings it back and holds it high as the rest of the like wrestlers <sighs> yeah. applaud. It just it cracks me up. Yeah, it's well, yeah, because it's sad how they don't see it, how everyone else in the world sees it, you know, like you just described, like, <laughs> that's pathetic, you know, like, you don't look like you're on a level. In my head, they're all guy. lemurs, by the way. Right. <laughs> like, you, but they think the rub, you know, the, that's always that word, the rub, the rub, we get the rub. Yeah. The rub. I mean, fine, but. Do not even the begin problem, to think though, that is, you are looked at on even a similar playing field as that man. Did it? Did it not seem like they had like teased the actual rock showing up? Oh well, I mean, we did. I guess we could. I, yeah, we didn't even talk about Survivor Series, and we're not no. gonna. But now, but I mean, yeah. How sad was that? We didn't get a chance to talk about it. Like twentieth or twenty fifth anniversary of the Rock or whatever it was, and no Rock. Like I can yeah. remember seeing something about like that they were going to do that, but they were really kind of low key on the advertisement for it. <laughs> you know, like maybe uh, they had some hope held out that he was gonna be there. Like, did he something. even send a video? I don't know. I didn't I watch I Survivor Series, something. so I didn't. Uh, like, I know that they had like the moments of the Rock. You would think that like if he could at least send a video and be like, "Oh man, I can't believe it's been twenty five years." There was you know, some like, like that, but. literal cameo level video of Rock explaining that he was lending Vince the egg. Because that was what really brought the drama <laughs> to the whole storyline, was when Vince uh, realized, "Oh God, okay, how you gave me that rock, or that egg? Now I gotta find it." So, yeah, just that would be probably sad. actually ordered a cameo from The Rock to get him to star <laughs> in this element of the storyline. Great trick! I'm gonna fucking make an entire movie with The Rock, and I'm just gonna <laughs> buy like fifty cameos from him and have him read very like he, you know. You could be like a secret scripts. agent. And he could just be like the guy on the other end of your watch that's always oh, like dude, telling seriously. you things. I would be like, please stand in front of a green screen, and I need you to dress up in like a military uniform, and I can make it work from there. There you go. That would be actually fun. I want to call Neil Breen about that. I think that's a collaboration. Um, so I guess let's just get all the egg shit out of the way here, and we'll double back to anything that was worth talking about. But he's threatening Pearson Deville. Baby faces now in this situation, whatever. Um, they claim nobody knows anything. Vince threatens them with their jobs if it isn't found. Um, and what? says if someone... Why? Yes, sir? It's $100 million. Why did you bring it to the show? Why is it sitting on your desk? Well, listen, these are, these are questions that no one's allowed to ask because that would be holes in their <laughs> terrible plot. He also ends this meeting with these two 
as if someone brings it to him, they will get a title match with Big E tonight. Oh, shit. So, that then would lead to after um, some RK Bro Dolph Ziggler action that doesn't really... Well, it's worth talking about. We'll talk about because Riddle Orton suggested that he should be more like him. Riddle needs to act more like Randy Orton. Yeah. And Riddle took that to heart and literally dressed like Randy Orton and dyed his, like, had a goatee and made his oh, hair gosh. look like Randy's and had the trunk, black trunks on and a little too tanned. And uh, he used an RKO to beat Dolph Ziggler. And uh, Randy was not upset about it. He approved. He, he came around on it and then honored Riddle by hitting his finishing move, the Bro Derek, on Robert Roode. Ooh. So, Okay. Really blossoming into quite a bromance here. I mean, it seems like they've already blossomed into a bromance like three times. And he's, but, he's softened. He softened old Papa Randy pretty well. Yeah. Which is surprising. I literally figured this would have been like an RKO and done like three or four months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm glad it's not. It's you know because I think it's actually gotten better. You know, like, you know, it was it's it's kind of become a thing at this point. Uh, we now, because of Vince's statement about the egg and the title shot, we have footage backstage of the entire locker room just ripping things apart, just throwing towels and paper, and Rhea Ripley was kind of in the center of it all. Uh, I can't remember. Somebody tried to go in the women's bathroom and were told they weren't allowed to. Uh, so but anyway, that's, that's the happening here. Yeah. Everyone's lost their minds. And now we'll move ahead in the eggs saga, and we will have... Um, Sami Zayn entering the office of Vince McMahon. And uh, he had promised Vince earlier. I'm afraid. Here we go. I didn't want to miss it. Yeah, Sammy had promised Vince that he knows who has the egg, but they aren't here yet. Mm-hmm. Vince is skeptical, but he buys it. So now we're back. Sammy produces Austin Theory, who has the egg. Yes. Here is when it's just any chance this had of being interesting went out the window when they didn't just make it like Sami Zayn had the egg. But anyway, so Vince asks, why would you do something like that? And Austin Theory, I, literally, he wanted to take a selfie with it. That's why he took the egg. Yep. Well, that, and God damn it, that reminds me of me. Well, yeah, that, then you're like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. Sammy calls it disgusting behavior. He was, he was great during this. Um, Vince says he's dropping the charges. And like... You mentioned says he reminds him a lot of himself. Because Vince, you know, notoriously, big big selfie guy. Well, I was thinking a thief was probably the better <laughs> word. Um, he gives Austin Theory the title match to boot. Yeah. Which upsets Sammy. Of course, Sammy has a fucking legitimate complaint here. Dude, this guy had a hell of a week. We'll talk about SmackDown later. But yeah, Sammy and like near title opportunities. They were like at the tips of his fingers this week on both shows. That's the thing too. They had advertised this like, oh yeah, because the whole Raw and SmackDown locker room is going to be at Raw Monday about this egg situation. I think Sammy is literally the only person from SmackDown who even appears on this fucking show. (laughs) So anyway, it's not quite the crossover they'd promised. Sammy's upset. Vince says, shut up! And says, nobody likes a snitch. Which is just, Jesus Christ. It's probably true. That is like the kind of story where it's like if someone told you that about Vince, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. I could see him punishing the person that reported somebody for being bad. Mm-hmm. And then Vince like rewarding that person because he's just completely out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better explanation or reason for it. 
No, it was, so, it was wild. Yeah. It just felt like such a such an example of the kind of person that Vince is. I just, I mean, it's a Netflix movie, and they're probably kind of like not a, as high as standards for this I mean, kind of thing. Everything but, I keep seeing reporting is seven figure deal right, for this which, advertisement. Like, what the fuck? I mean, yeah, you got a lot of airtime, but you know, was it? Did it have much value? You know, I, I don't know. Again. How many people watched the Survivor Series and learned about Red Notice? I guess that's the number that you would have to try to calculate. I mean, I learned about Red Notice because of this egg thing, not because necessarily even watching Survivor Series. I didn't watch that. It was just eggs were so such a strange topic. (laughs) Yeah, uh, there's a reason for that. So, yeah, that was the saga of the egg. Because then uh, it was wow. even the the post wrestling guys their their Black Friday deal you had to use the uh, code word eggs to get your twenty percent off. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh boy. So yeah, while all this nonsense is going on, um, you know, Big E also had a title match on this mm-hmm. night against Mister Theory, and this was kind of amongst the Seth Rollins Kevin Owens deal that's been ongoing. That honestly, I think is just muddying up Biggie's title reign so bad right now, because he's <laughs> almost really like the third wheel yeah. in his own title like situation. Like with because Rollins and, and Owen, yeah. Because I mean, even the, I mean, Rollins himself even comes out and you know is his Rollins self takes a bow for being the sole survivor and leading his team. Did it all by himself and. Of course, you know, yada yada yada. That brought Finn Balor out, and then you know Rollins laid Finn out, and then he was tackled by a fan. Boy, I forget like how much has happened in this past week. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot about that being this week. Yeah, he's tackled by some dumbass. Um, so he's got that going on. Then KO is asked about what Rollins said about you know calling Kevin a liar and a snake. Kevin Owens' response: Listen, I'm not necessarily buying into him like being done, but boy, this promo had I'm done energy. Because literally, he's like, "Oh, I, I wasn't listening. I don't, I don't pay attention to anything Seth says or whatever." <laughs> but it was in a way where it was like he doesn't care about watching. Yeah. Um, and, and he said he's been looking for the egg, so he was kind of dismissive of it all. But it's like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins are basically feuding about who gets to fight Big E, and mm-hmm. Big E is got really no stakes in this. And then we even go to the title match where you're like, okay, well. If nothing else, Big E can get a decisive near squash title defense here against Austin Theory, right? No. No. It's an absolute back and forth match with, you know, Theory being right there toe to toe with Big E the whole time. Rollins and Owens both at ringside, and they, of course, get into it with one another. And, um, you know, Austin Theory was distracted by the argument those two were having. That did at least allow Big E to pick up the win, but he beat Austin Theory by attacking him from behind and hitting his finisher on him after he was distracted by <laughs> KO and Rollins. It's like, gotcha. that's an odd choice. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you know, just, he would, you know, I mean, yeah. maybe Vince just really wants to protect Austin theory. And I mean, he, he can lose the, the fucking champion. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's um, still new. We haven't, we haven't broken that yet. We can't let him. Oh, we can't let him oh yeah. Cause like those that. rules also are, completely dependent on the time of day and the temperature outside with Vince because, yeah, losses don't matter. Oh, they can't lose. Yeah, it just depends on who's going on. But yeah, Big E did at least like, you know, kind of attack Seth and KO and, you know, stood tall, but just not 
not loving it, man. Like, I just, I want it to be about Big E. You yeah. know, and instead it's kind of like about Seth and Owens. And Big E's just like, hey, guys. I'm, I'm here, too. Yeah. No, you're not wrong <laughs> so, there. Uh, and then last thing from Raw worth mentioning was the Becky Lynch victory lap after her win over Charlotte at Survivor Series. She talks about all of her accomplishments in Brooklyn. The city's been good to her. Um, she says the crowd loved every minute of it. But now they want something new. Like, I got to give her credit because, boy, they're asking this woman to just walk a thin line every week with these promos because she's, yeah. hey, it's Becky. Everybody loves Becky. And then she's kind of like, but you all cheered for Liv, you know, because you always want something new. You know, and that's just how you are. Um, she says she used to put her put a lot of stock in their opinions, but found out they were all full of crap. So now they're like turning on her <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Um, she mentions the crowd chanting and doing the wave during the women's tin, the tin woman tag, which they did, which isn't necessarily cool, but that match was awful. Um, I've never seen someone try so hard to be disliked when nobody wants to dislike her. So, yeah, I got to give her credit there. Um, she says she agrees with all of you, though, because none of those women deserve a shot at her. So she was very like, well, boo, yeah. Like, you know, she's just kind of like. <laughs> Just, you know, she can, she turns things very quickly. It's impressive, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess that's I mean, that's kind of the role that they need her to be in. I guess they can use her on both sides of different challengers, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because that's the thing. I was like, this Liv feud, she's very clearly the baby face. Or, you know, Liv's the baby face. Yeah. But when she's out there talking about Charlotte for the first few minutes, it's like, well, nobody likes Charlotte. So. <laughs> um, and then Becky later in the night would interrupt a Liv Morgan promo. Who's still on cloud nine after earning this opportunity? Becky says she underdelivered, and she did nothing at Survivor Series. Becky talks about how Liv's failed at everything. She failed at Money in the Bank. Um, she embarrassed. She's you know now she's embarrassed. She's embarrassed because her friends aren't working here anymore, which was like ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, Becky says she'll never hold the title, and. Uh, you know, Becky Liv's response, which is like, damn it, Liv, you're not good at this. She's like, I held it last week. It's like, well, you held it up after you <laughs> brawled with Becky. I don't know if that's I physically like... touched it before. I don't know what you're right. talking about. <laughs> um, Becky compared that to le- when she lets little kids hold it during <laughs> autograph signings, which was pretty good. Well, that's good stuff. Uh, Liv is literally crying at this point. And I was now, like, now is she crying, Tony? Or are you are you looking at her? The no, it wasn't her stupid her silver. Well, listen, maybe that, but she was like <laughs> visibly crying. Um, and I was like, this can't end like this. And thank goodness it didn't. Becky mocked her until Liv finally like snapped and punched her. Yeah. Like, thank goodness. I was like, because the way this company is, like, oh, that's that's how we show she's a baby face. She just <laughs> she just left there in tears after she's been berated by the the heel, and then they get over. That, yeah. you know, that's how they think it works. Sometimes. I mean, that's how they did it with Medusa and fucking Paulie. So, well, yeah, that was this, sir, is far <laughs> from Medusa and Paulie. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, that was most of Raw. The things that matter anyway. Right. Um, the two point Oh, jeez. Okay. Continues on. Last week, I think I was like, "What are we doing with? Maybe there won't be a men's war games match." And then they. Made one up, and I'm like, man, maybe they shouldn't have been a men's war games match at war games. Uh, anyway, so Grayson Waller, who again, I will, I do have to give credit. I want to give credit where it's due when things are. Going. I think this guy is really good. 
Really? Okay. I really think he's a hell of a talker, good natural charisma. Um, I like the social media influencer kind of a deal, you know, mm-hmm. where he's very wrapped up in, you know, likes and opinions online and, you know, it's, yeah, he's not a social media influencer, but you know, I don't know. I, I just think it's a, I think it's one of the characters that's working <laughs> and I think, and he's also a really good worker. So, um, but yeah, he talks crap about the fans. He actually interrupted the open, like the down, 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 you know, and okay. like all this like that, he cut that off like in the middle, and then went on like a big promo about how none of you people care about those guys. You know, you talk about um, you how much you love you know all these stars. He's like, but you booed John Cena, oh, you yeah. booed The Rock, you booed Roman Reigns for three years at WrestleMania. Like it was pretty like I you know kind of in, in on the you know the old maybe more IWC opinion of things. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, it tells them that's exactly why you internet freaks. His opinions don't matter. And, uh, you know, had the crowd pretty well whooped up. And here comes the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa, who would beat Grayson Waller. Solid matchup, though. Nice. Um, and then LA Knight is talking about Waller, um, you know, sucking. And then Joe Gacy would walk in and says, we should build each other up and not tear each other up. Uh, Knight says he's going to get his ass stomped. Gacy tells him to leave the hostility in the locker room before you go to the ring in that very <laughs> calming Joe Gacy way. Um, Grimes with maybe the promo of his career. I love this stuff. He's uh, all business. You know, he comes out, he's got his hair. It's kind of still screwed up from getting some of it cut the week before. And then just, you know, he doesn't do the Cameron Grimes. He cut a very serious promo about Duke Hudson. Um, you know, what, what you did to him and then he wants to fight him. Duke would, though, appear on the screen and says he's trying to change him into a decent human being. That's all he was trying to do. Um, Grimes would challenge Duke Hudson to a hair versus hair match. So as we had kind of thought would maybe be the case. Yeah. that Will be the case at War Games. So War Games it. in the barbershop. Right. Yeah, I wish these guys would have been in the War Games match instead of having a singles match, but that's fine. Um, so, yeah. I'm excited. Looking forward to that. I'm interested to see what that means for the Cameron Grimes character. You know, I think he wins. But, you know, who knows? <laughs> if they want to do like a full makeover of the guy, that would certainly be the time to do it. So, yeah. Uh, there's a vignette for a Tiffany Stratton. I know nothing about her. And most of that's probably because at this point, she's probably just someone that is this the vignette is just like really tight close-ups of her body as she plays tennis and like says that she has like the best serve and then immediately shows a terrible serve yes 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 that was this um whatever i hope the best we'll see what happens Uh, i saw a lot of people complaining because they said this was frankie monet's character that that's what i was gonna i didn't want to go there because it's a little mean (laughs) but yeah it kind of looks like they're just like oh you know what that frankie monet character was all right too bad we got rid of that tie valkyrie lady so yeah we'll give it to her uh, Santos Escobar made his return last week. This week he beat Malik Blade. The guy Del Fantasma talks about Zion Quinn refusing them and, you know, what a mistake that was. But then here comes the, the lumberjack buddies, old Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner, um, come out and they want a shot at the tag titles. Legato Del Fantasma's like, no, that's, we're going to get the tag shot. Um, Von Wagner says, my foot was on the rope. <laughs> it's like, that is, the crowd fucking hated that. Like, they got no sympathy <laughs> for that. Like, nobody wants to hear the babyface complain. Yeah. Um, Imperium appear and call the fans ignorant. They say nobody can beat them, and they don't care who they fight, as we'll 
determine all of that later in the evening. Uh, Cora Jade got a big upset victory over the NXT Women's Champion Mandy Rose. Uh, a distraction from Kaylee Ray uh, is what kind of helped Cora pick up the win. And Kaylee Ray has also announced she will be the fourth member of the Good Girls team at War Games, along with uh, oh. Cora Jade, Raquel Gonzalez, and Io Shirai. Nice. Wow. She was, and this episode also featured the Toxic Attraction walking in, and there was like broken glass around, and they're mm-hmm. like, "What is this?" And then, like as they like turned the corner, Kaylee Ray just like walked out from behind a curtain with like a bat and like just broke another like piece of glass and like had a smile on her face. I was like, <laughs> "What is this? Is this her character? Like, what are we doing?" I break all the shit. This is why we can't have nice things. I love to break glass. So, anyways, fine. Who cares? All right. uh, <laughs> uh, Joe Gacy and L.A. Knight had a match. Grayson Waller attacked L.A. Knight during his entrance. And Gracie apologized to the audience and wishes he could have shown L.A. Knight how to handle things peacefully when he was interrupted by the Diamond Mine as he has a match with Roderick Strong coming up at War Games. Uh, Malcolm Bivens says they're going to steal his spotlight this week, tells Gacy to get out of their ring. Gacy responds and says he has no respect for Roderick Strong and his name alone is an example of toxic masculinity and the Cruiserweight Championship is nothing more than an, uh, used to shame people of certain body types. Okay. I tell you, dude, you got to watch the NXT. I love, the, I, love, I love Joe Casey. Um, Roddy then showed his mic skills. I have that in quotation marks. I was like, oh, oh Roddy, just just give the mic back to Malcolm. He just, just needs somebody Bivens to talk do. for him, man. Just let Bivens talk for you, man. Anyways, he says he doesn't give a damn about weight limits. And uh, Strong then challenged, you know, said that he's going to put his title on the line regardless of how much Joe Gacy weighs. Which also, honestly, like, can we take it easy on the guy? I'll bet he's like 220 tops, all right? Like, we don't need to <laughs> shame Joe Gacy like he's a super heavyweight here. Uh, fine. I'll let, I'll let somebody as big as, you know, the, the one-man <laughs> right. gang apply for this. Hey, <laughs> now, we haven't quite gone that far yet. Um, I just, I like this feud because Bivens and Gacy is a great, like, back and forth when it comes yeah. to, like, the mic stuff. Um. But other than that, it's a little bit weird. Like, I feel like Joe Gacy's just a character that they're like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Like, this is going well. This is going well. But they haven't, like, landed on him, like, just sticking gotcha. to one thing yet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is the most consistent angle. Is the Harlan thing had. still happening? I thought that was something. Yeah, he's around. I think he was, I'm, I don't know if I made note of it. I think he was, like, standing with Gacy in the ring at this point. Oh, okay. His little snowflake. Um, so, yeah. And then the Ivy Nile lady from Diamond Mine, who I think has got a lot of potential, uh, won her match and looked good. Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen fucking beat the Grizzled Young Veterans. Yeah. Saw that. First of all, the Grizzled Young Veterans, if if you don't want them here, then put them on. I mean, they're so good. Mm -hmm. I love Zach Gibson, man. He's so fucking good. Like, I just... (laughs) No, <sighs> it's just it feels like they were just like they were arriving at the wrong time with the way right. that this NXT change and they're they're one of the oh, they'll be a cultaholic gonna... top ten yes. NXT stars or acts that appeared at the exact wrong time like yes. in those death rattle months before it became two point and there's a few victims right now in that and mix. We're still waiting to see if Kyle O'Reilly will be one of those victims or not, but feels that way. I don't think he's staying. I don't think sticking around to tag with Von Wagner. Probably sounds better than going and hanging out with Bobby Fish and Adam Cole. So, yeah. 
We'll see. North American Championship on the line. Good main event here. Carmelo Hayes defended the title, beating Johnny Gargano and Pete Dune. Uh, yeah, Pete Italians. Dunn still has no championship. Dude, he is the one that's got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I could see Gargano sticking around and being like Mr. NXT and just mm-hmm. putting on good matches with these guys or whatever. let him do that. I don't know. It just seems like... He's got a family on the way. Like, I just feel like if you're, yeah. if, you know, if you're in his shoes, it's like, you know, I could go do something else or I could take a really probably pretty good check here and, you know, take care of my family. So we'll see what happens there, though. Um, but the Italian stereotype helped Carmelo Hayes get the win. Uh, you know, this just turned into like the hodgepodge of like the new guys coming out to help beat up the older guys. And then we learned that we're going to get war games with Carmelo Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, Grayson Waller, and Braun Breaker mm-hmm. <laughs> against Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dune, and LA Knight. It's, it's, it's the, you know, the Thousandaires Club versus the New Blood. <laughs> Like LA Knight is like, I am new. Like I just got here. Like I, <laughs> I don't want to hang out with those guys. So I, you know, listen, we even talked about it. Like we may still, but I want to go back and watch some of these war games. Cause some of those matches <laughs> were some of the best matches of like the year. Almost. Oh, yeah. you know? Yep. Those great groupings and everything. And this one, it's just like, <sighs> like, okay. I mean, and it's just one of those things, too. It's like, I get why they have two of them, but it always feels kind of strange to me that there's two of them. It, it's like, I mean, you barely had a reason enough for it on the women's side, other than you've like established this toxic attraction group, and you know, yeah. it makes a little more sense. At least there's a faction involved. But even their faction's only like three people, isn't it? Well, yeah, and then you got crazy Dakota Kai. Okay, yeah. Just doing her thing. So, yeah. NXT I, continues to put along. I don't know. Yeah, and the ratings are not going well either, so we'll see what <laughs> happens there. Uh, we talk Punk, MJF, and The Dish. We'll pick things up with the Schiavone with Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express. Cage mentioning their momentum and their confidence of being at an all-time high. Um, he says the Jurassic Express are the number one contenders for the tag gold, and he's going to make sure they win. So, you know, I don't know. It's if this is ever leading to like a cage jungle boy deal, they've certainly slowed it down. Cause I felt like there was a time when there was almost like visible moments of mm-hmm. little bit of jealousy or a little bit of contempt, you know, like, yeah. Or their positioning. You could just see them over each other's shoulders or something. Like, it's yeah, like, I think they, I feel like they've kind of cooled that a little bit here. I, I mean, at least for the time being, we'll see. Uh, boy, another absolute, all-timer from Eddie Kingston because what this man can do in a minute's time is gold. He's sitting down (laughs) and catering, literally eating a piece of cake, talking about Daniel Garcia before he's interrupted by 2.0 and Garcia and only that wonderful way that they can barge into a scene. Uh, Matt Lee says they were touched by his article in the sport. uh, I can't remember that. The, Players Tribune. The athletic or something? And, oh. Yeah. And claims he isn't hungry anymore. And Eddie interrupts him. Like, I was hungry for this cake, which everyone loved that line all week. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff Parker says they're here to help, even though Garcia, um, you know, even though he couldn't help Moxley. And that, of course, sets Eddie off. And he 
oh, leaves sure. it from the table, and Garcia would toss coffee in Eddie Kingston's face, and they would all scurry away. So, damn. Which that led to Rampage, which we'll get to. Oh yeah. Um, Gun Club, because boy, this, this company just decides to heat something up, man. Sometimes they just put it in the microwave on ultra high because <laughs> <laughs> these guys are being presented really strong in the course of like three weeks. Um, they get the win over Bear Country. This is the combination of Colton and Billy. Mm-hmm. Austin. Accompanied. Yeah, accompanied and was obnoxious. Um, here comes Darby Allen and Sting. And dude, I know you didn't watch. This is Austin, is Austin the yes. one that there was that like Twitter thing that came out? That yes. He came so out because, yeah, so about- Darby and Sting, or here they come anyway, but Sting's the only one we see. And Austin Gunn is like, I'm coming for you. I'm coming to get you. And I mean, dude, literally the most vicious tackle I think I've ever seen. Like a football <laughs> player in pads. I don't know if it would have been worse. Oh, God. Like a missile. Darby Allen just appears out of nowhere. Just a full sprint missile right into Austin Gunn. It just nice. laid his ass out. It was fun. Um, then there's some jawing. And those guys are going to fight this Wednesday. Darby and Sting against, I'd imagine, Colton and Billy probably. Uh, Adam Cole and Bobby Fish are talking about the past weeks really sucking. The Bucks still aren't cleared. You know, Adam says, you know, this is it's tough on him because you know they're like best friends. And wouldn't you know, best friends would pop up around the corner after he said that. Um, Chuck makes fun of their undisputed era hand gesture, and uh, Adam Cole insults their. I just love this like, like insults their friendship and makes it a challenge. Like this angle is literally like. Adam Cole being like, we're better best friends than you guys are. <laughs> and that's pretty much basically why we're having a match. So there you go. Uh, and in the shocker of the week, Team Taz has a contract for Dante Martin. Leo says they're not interested, but Dante would grab the contract away from Leo Rush and sign it, leaving Leo in shock. So yeah, that's all we really know about the Dante Martin is apparently lined himself with Team Taz. So uh, we are in week thirty-seven of the TBS tournament. We are finally at the, still isn't the last quarterfinal match, but one of the last quarterfinal matches took place. Thunder Rosa picking up the victory over Jamie Hayter in which was a great match. Surprise to nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thunder Rosa is awesome. Jamie Hayter is really really awesome too. Um, yeah, <laughs> Thunder Rosa does a lot of slapping and charity work. Was literally a sentence that came out of the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, we're just putting those things. Uh, so, Jim Ross had the. Do we know who who she's fighting next? Uh, she's gonna be. Fi- I think she might be. Fi- I think she's waiting on the. No, I think she might be fighting Jade. Okay. And then because Soho and Statlander is the last quarterfinal, and I think that person might be fighting like Nyla Rose, maybe. Gotcha. Okay. Like I said, I don't, I'm like Jim Costas in basketball. I'm like, it's we're finally getting down to the end of it here, folks. <laughs> uh, JR with the uh, suspect line. You have to be careful how you describe women. Uh, okay. <sighs> Thanks. Jim just because he, he can't not do the body stuff like, you know, like he's oh, yeah. it's just in his brain how he wants to talk about arms and legs and yeah. necks and torsos. And then he says something. That no one's really offended by, but then he feels like maybe he did just, you know, and it's like, Jim, you make it worse when you're like self-conscious about this stuff. Anyways, um, Jamie had a really good response from the crowd. She got, there was a chant for her at one point, but Brit and Rebel failed to help. And Jamie, after the match, shoved 
the champion, Britt Baker. So she wasn't happy. Love on the rocks, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friendsgiving, which was another segment that I was like, you guys promoted this like days in advance of the show. This Friendsgiving with Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone. <laughs> with like a funny graphic with like I him being that was Santa like a podcast promo not a, a promo no, no. for this show so i was like oh this is probably gonna be much like what we discussed in our smackdown episode of, of from 2000 i figured oh we're gonna have a yeah. bunch of the randos maybe we'll get some fun stuff no it is literally a shot of tony Schiavone, Britt baker and rebel sitting at a table with a bunch of food in front of them mm-hmm. and this is also after Jamie just lost to Thunder Rosa, and Britt's upset about that. Um, Tony tells Britt Baker that she has a Black Friday special match uh, with Riho, and if Riho wins, then she gets a title shot, and Britt, mm-hmm. of course, is really upset about that. Um, says, no, no, no. But Tony says, it's already been booked. She says that, Tony Giovanni, you've ruined Halloween, and now you've ruined Thanksgiving. Because <laughs> so, of the Halloween episode, I think, it was when she got told about the she had a match with Abaddon. That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Abaddon, so Shivani is always the bearer of bad news. Nice. So too bad. Um, great match. Brian Danielson beat Colt Cabana. Damn. Um, I yeah, wanted Colt Cabana to win this one. I know. Not only did he lose, but Daniel Bryan kicked one of his teeth out of his mouth. Jesus Christ. Seriously. And pr- and proudly like picked it up off the mat after the match. It was like holding it up. Like, uh. Because I'm pretty sure he did it because he did that fucking... He captures their arms and just stomps on their face. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure that's when he uh, he popped the tooth out, so... Jesus, I need to go um, back and watch this match. I forgot that this was at the end of yeah, this. It was solid. They gave Colt... Like, it was a good effort. You know, they didn't squash him by any means, so... Nice. Excalibur talked about their history and stuff, so it was good. He challenges more Dark Order folks, and next week they're going to be in Atlanta. He knows a couple of them are apparently are from Atlanta. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Did Sorry. Danielson go back to calling people fickle again? Yes, there was the fickle thing at some point. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're, I can't remember because yeah, because now Adam Page comes to the ring. I loved the subtlety of this, and I don't even think they mentioned it on commentary. But Adam Page came to the ring in full gear, full wrestling gear. Oh, okay, and like I was immediately like, "Ah, oh, shit!" That's because like last week the excuse was, yeah. "No, you're not in your wrestling gear, so yeah. we're not gonna." They don't really like go that deep on it, but I think that was the nod. Um, Paige wants to fight now and Daniel Bryan again it's like damn it Paige this was bad timing Bryan's like oh of course you want to have a match now after <laughs> I just had a match with you know Colt Cabana and uh, calls Adam Page a coward and the fans fickle uh, Paige offers Danielson the first shot says I'll, give, I'll even give you the first shot and uh, Danielson slapped the shit out of him and uh, <laughs> they brawled a little bit but obviously no match so okay It'll be Alan Angels, number five, and Brian Danielson this Wednesday. So, All Angels right. is apparently from Atlanta. When does so is Anna J. Yes. Never mind. I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Anna J is also from Atlanta, apparently, because it's kind of funny. She tweeted out, like, after the show, she's like, I'm from Atlanta with, like, a, you know, pondering <laughs> emoji. It's like, I don't think he's calling you out. Main event time. Uh, big, I mean, you know, a lot of star power here. Andrade, El Ilado, Malachi Black. Yeah, whatever. And <laughs> Malachi Black and FTR defeated the HodgePodge team. Not really HodgePodge, but Cody Rhodes, Pack, and the Lucha Bros. So ah. uh, this this was the one I was texting you about as well. I was hoping you'd end up seeing this because, ah, folks, listen, it's okay to not like Cody Rhodes. What I didn't care for was Cody 
you know, giving his weight belt out has become like a thing to the mm-hmm. crowd. Like he takes off his weightlifting belt and like yeah. gives it to a kid. Well, we're in Chicago. And what is Chicago kind of notorious for? Throw it back. Throw it back. <laughs> throw it back. Which led back. to the belt flying out of the crowd like a projectile. Oh my gosh. Almost hitting Aubrey Edwards. It did probably hit her a little bit. Um and then there must have been two belts at one point. I think I maybe missed something because then later what? in the match, another belt came out. Oh, and so you could was... tell, and and you could tell Andrade was like shoot pissed Mad, because he yeah. fucking like got off the apron, walked over there, grabbed the belt, and threw it underneath, the, like lifted up the ring apron and threw it underneath the ring, and then like okay. got back up on the apron. So, <laughs> no, it's just like ah, I don't know, but I didn't didn't love that. Um, Post match, we had an Arn and Tully face off, which was fun. Um, then Jose would get involved. They literally just both punched him. So that made me laugh. Nice. So we're getting that Arn Tully match. I don't care what you say. Dude, I, Tully can barely draw. walk, man. They should do it like the old Slamborees in WCW when they'd also put like the black and white filter on it. Yeah. That, that'd be fun. There you go. Could be fun. Uh, yeah. Smackdown. We had the... Uh, Caleb Braxton in the ring. This weird Caleb Braxton, Paul Heyman stuff. I'm also like not really here for. No, I'm not. Dude, watch this shit. This shit was really weird. I did. I watched the opening of the show. Okay. His little like, you need to get the hell out of here shit or whatever. But yeah, because she's there to kind of talk about Brock Lesnar, maybe not being suspended and Roman and Paul come out and Paul's kind of berating her and questioning her. Yeah. Uh, She finally leaves and Roman tells us what he doesn't like. rumors (laughs) rumors <laughs> rumors give losers false hope which i did kind of like that that's not a terrible line but then later god did i even make note of it because there was another there was like a backstage segment where he like comes up and he's like it's like an inch from her face <laughs> and like just one. just tears her down for oh, like a gosh. minute and like just this weird i don't know i don't like any of it i don't see the point of it like no she's not a rest you know i don't i don't get it i guess maybe like they like they like you too much, Paul. We gotta really try to find a way to make sure that they don't like you at all. We don't want them cheering you, there, even though he's probably that would about be the most on. makes that would make the most sense. But at the same time, it's like, but way to go with your tradition of like having guys act creepy towards ladies oh, yeah. on camera be like a trope of yours. Oh, absolutely! No, it's terrible. I saw um, someone so posted on I think it was on the wrestling subreddit. They posted like. Here's an image of Vince McMahon inappropriately like touching every single woman that's worked oh, yeah. for the company, like as he was on camera. Like it was just like he was always in a storyline with everyone. God, what is that one year? Two thousand six? Is that the year that he just like everything he was involved in was really uncomfortable <laughs> I think and trashy? So, probably. Because I think that was the year he fought God, and I think you know all that. Yeah, shit. Anyways, yeah. um, so Drew McIntyre had been in a match earlier in the night. Him and Jeff Hardy beat Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. But he wants to be in the Battle Royal to earn a shot at the title. First he tries but, to kill everybody with his sword, and then he wants know, to be right? in the Battle Royal. There was this really long, awkward shot of Sonya and Pierce just standing there doing nothing. Like, almost Dennis Reynolds, <laughs> like, creepily staring off into the distance. Like, yeah. he's just, like... And literally, you could tell when someone said go. Because then, the, you know, like, they kind of sat... It was like, uh, that was awkward. Um, he wants to be in the battle royal, and because in this segment they're bad guys now, I guess they uh, yeah. will take it under advisement, and they don't have the final list made up just yet. It's like, so why wouldn't you just give 
this guy a shot in the battle royal? Like, why are you being a bad guy in this segment now? Like, I just, I'm so sick of Pierce and Sonya just whatever the, whoever's involved, they'll, they're just gonna go with the flow at that point, you know, what they need to be. So. Yeah, I don't know. Not great. Like, what were you? What were your thoughts on like some of these com- competitors? For me, it just felt like you could have thinned this down to like six guys and made an, an actual like fun match to watch. Instead, it just felt to me like this was a lot of rumble mode nonsense. Like nobody really doing a lot, and then quickly being oh, thrown yeah. out. No, the match wasn't great at all. <laughs> um, yeah, Drew came out at the beginning of this and upset Adam Pierce by like beating a bunch of people up. Then he left peacefully, which I was like, well, you're already in there. What are they going to do if you win the whole thing? Yeah. You know, uh, the final four kind of are Ricochet, Happy Corbin, Jeff Hardy, and Sheamus. Um, crowd is dead. And dude, I don't know if I'm wrong or something. The white noise on this show is deafening. Like oh, it really? does that. It's that, it's that bad old video game style of noise where it's just mm-hmm. the, <sighs> okay. like it's just, there's just a constant, Maybe it's my TV and I need to get some checked, but I feel like they have just started to pump in. No, because it was a lot of people that talk kind of about, deal where about yeah them like live pumping in audio now. Like there's because, been a lot of talk of that. Yeah, because there was a lot of there was a few of those times where you know, you're hearing crowd noise and nobody is moving, moving that you can see yep. on camera side. You know, like one of those kinds of things. So, I don't know. Shit, maybe there I'm was not. some of that on this 2000s SmackDown. Well, like, oh, dude, because that was the. That's the originator. Oh, SmackDown on tape <laughs> delay on network TV where they didn't want to mess anything up. Yeah, yeah. that's that's where the damn stuff started. Um, but yeah, so Jeff Hardy gets the win, or does he? Sami Zayn had been hiding in wait and tossed Jeff out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not for much. Roman Reigns and the Bloodline are shown backstage literally laughing after Sami Zayn won the Battle Royal. So I'm glad we had that. Um, and then he gets in the ring for his big interview with Caleb Braxton, and she interrupts him with news. The suspension of Brock Lesnar has been lifted. Yeah. Jesus. He wasn't here on this night. So there you go, folks. I know some of you out there live and die with <laughs> Brock Lesnar being around. I'm not necessarily a big fan of it, but. Yeah. He's a ratings grab, you know. Whether I, I like guess. it or not. I mean, it is. Look, Rock ain't doing it. I don't think that's happening. Well, I don't mean at least not, not anytime soon if he's filming this right. like young Rock thing in Australia to get around various COVID rules or whatever. But ah. um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway. But yeah, cause, yeah so I don't know. Anyways, the, the road to Brock Roman is it, it continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, Rampage, a quick hour of TV, not a lot of meat on the bone here. Cole and Fish beat the best friends. Uh, Man, but Cole I, and, and, this was a Cole fun and Orange match, had some though. great moments. Yeah. This is yeah. a good one. Like, there's yeah, the, uh, the, the commentary's perfect as well. Cause yes. there's like, oh, yeah. Them like reacting to the orange <laughs> stuff and explaining it a little bit for the crowd and stuff like it's yeah. It's great. No, the match was really good. I think an Orange Cassidy Adam Cole feud is probably. I'd be down now. for that. Yeah, I'd like to see that stuff. Um, Tony Schiavone is with the premier athlete Tony Nice, and uh, Tony Schiavone mentions him being mysterious. Tony cuts him off, says, "There's no mystery to what I've been doing. I've been sitting in the crowd and scouting. He wants to make a debut on Dynamite by winning the TNT Championship. 
And Sammy says he's not wanting to take criticism from someone who hasn't done shit, as Sammy had walked up during the promo. Uh, Knees punked him, though, and stood on his ribs. Uh, I kind of liked watching Sammy get slapped around. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've, I continue to come to this feeling where I'm like, you know, he's kind of unlikable. Yeah. Like, I, and I, I mean that in a good way. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's, there's just something, you just, you kind of want to <laughs> slap him. He, like, he has that look to him a little bit. He has a very natural yeah. arrogance to him. Well, um, it's like even his hairstyle is something that I oh, feel like hair, he chose yeah. specifically at the beginning for heat. And now it's just become the signature hairstyle that he has. So when he comes with baby face, it's like, well, now it doesn't make sense for us to be cheering this guy that's got this ridiculous, like, pompadour bangs with nothing else on his head. Because the whole whole thing with his character is he's, he thinks he's better than everybody. Like, that's, you know... Kind of how his whole deal. But I no, just think, no, now that he's the inner circle babyface version, he's just he's crazy. He sticks his tongue uh, out, and does big moves. You know, I want him out of inner circle, and I want him as a heel. I think that would be his best route. Um, Rio wins the Black Friday special, beating Britt Baker with a nice roll up, mm-hmm. and uh, she'll get a title match. Good match when they though. feel like it. Oh yeah, no, the match is really good. It was good to see Rio like I don't know featured. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's. It's nice to see that they could heat her up again quickly. I loved the Mark Henry interview with Kingston and Garcia in 2.0. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's so much fun. I, I, I've, I've been really like, that was something that when it first started, I felt like it was a little bit awkward, but the more I get used to the right. format, the more I really, really enjoy it. Like, I was just so excited to hear what both of these guys had to say. And then Absolutely. just Mark Henry's fucking reactions. Oh, that's the, that stuff's great. It all depends on the. Dan- you know who's dancing who the performer is yeah. are performers are you know we've had there's been some good ones and there've been some awkward ones uh yeah this one eddie again is pretty much all business as he makes his way to the ring uh you know not really playing around you might say yeah uh this match is he's brutal well, kingston said garcia was too light in the ass to mess with him <laughs> oh man you gotta love eddie kingston that's what i mean it's like you feel like they're kind of trying to lean into Eddie maybe being a bad guy, but there's just no way to like do it. <laughs> no, not like right now. Because even when he's mean, he's that's what people like about him probably almost more than anything else. Mm. You know, is oh, that sharp sure. tongue. Uh, but yeah, two point are in the ring to take Eddie out, and this is a sentence that doesn't feel real. Chris Jericho left the announce table <laughs> yeah. to help Eddie Kingston. Runoff 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Dude, I so badly, but it's like you you almost can't do it this way, but it's like I want to watch Eddie Kingston turn on J- Chris Jericho and then them two have a match. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to happen. Like, but, I don't think this is going anywhere. But, like, do you think that he turns on Chris or does Eddie or does Chris turn on Eddie? Like, how does well, that I just mean, Like, Eddie immediately, like, was tweeting out, like, when this clip was shared by, like, AEW social media, like, they cut it out they or, like, they cut it off just before I was going to kick his ass or something like that. Because like, I was you know, curious I about help. how he was going to react to it, like, when he got up, but it didn't, they didn't yeah. really show much of that. No, yeah, that's probably what you'll hear about. So I don't know. Like, I don't know that we're gonna get like any kind of an actual tag run here. I okay. feel like because Chris now I even saw like the advertisement for like their European tour that's coming up and tickets are being on sale. Like, like for Fozzie I think Chris or for might AEW. Like, what's that for Fozzie or uh, AEW? Fozzie, Fozzie, oh, okay. yeah, Fozzie's tour coming up. Here, how about this for a prediction? I was, I say Chris Jericho will put Eddie Kingston over before he Finally disappears. Finally, give him a win before he goes. 
<laughs> like, I think that's a big one too. You know, like no, that would be awesome. Whenever that is, I might he might do double or nothing and then leave. I'm not sure how much longer you know it'll be before he's. But well, I mean, we we finally do get at least a Kingston win on this match against Garcia, but right. then he's immediately beat up by 2.0 jumping in, and so it just it felt like it was like very much in the vein of <laughs> Kingston. I was like, well, it doesn't this feel is like how it he goes won. for Eddie, win or lose. I don't feel <laughs> like he won because <laughs> he is. I mean. Well, I mean, hopefully not necessarily, but you kind of feel like he's in a bit of a holding pattern with until yeah. Moxley. You I guess know, it which, was just to set up the Jericho running, but yeah, right. Just, but I think that'd be great, man. You, if they build this right and you get a big Eddie Kingston singles clean victory over Chris Jericho, like that's it's mm-hmm. a big deal. It's the first champion, you know. Oh man, what 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 about this? What if Eddie Kingston? takes over for Chris Jericho in the inner circle for while he's gone and he becomes uh-huh. the leader. Well, you're blowing up my Jay Lethal, uh, Sammy Guevara idea there. But okay. no, I mean, listen, I want Eddie Kingston to do whatever has him on screen the most. For sure. <laughs> that makes sense. So I'd be happy as hell if he got himself involved in something like that. So he keeps almost leading factions and they like need him to do something else. So, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Anything else? There you go. That's it. Nope, that's it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Oh, shut up, you fat, bald-headed little old... Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.